if you're even thinking about changing the channel to our competition, fans do not. Because we understand that Mick Foley, who wrestled here one time as, as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Welcome to the first ever double feature episode of the Butts in the Seats podcast. Yeah. I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And yeah, it's January 4th, 1999. For Nitro and for Raw. <laughs> no, it's slightly later for uh, us. Oh, you were talking about like the actual date? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's 1999 right now. <laughs> there, yes, there were definitely podcasts in 99. I've been in a coma. What have I missed? Not much. Definitely nothing this week. No. Yeah, it's our first double feature episode, and it's your like first episode of Raw. Like, yeah, full episode my of first Raw? full episode of Raw. Which I still find amazing. Cause I could have sworn we would have watched something, but I guess I've just been watching clips. Yeah, like when you were showing me stuff first, it was segments from Raw, and when we're like we're watching through SmackDown right now. And anytime that it's relevant, we jump to Raw and we watch a segment that has to do with the SmackDown we're watching. And this past year, when we were supposed to go to WrestleMania, I was watching the SmackDowns up to WrestleMania. So I never watched a Raw. Yeah, and I think even if we watched any of it, we probably skipped around a bit. Where it was like, we don't need to watch Tess take on... Who else is... The Godfather. Take on Albert. We don't, oh, we don't need to. We don't need to. See, we don't need to see TNA implode. We have a jam-packed list of things to talk about. We got two episodes. We have two I mean, episodes with, of television with commercials. We have five hours of wrestling to talk about. Jesus! Now we didn't. Say that. We didn't have commercials, so we had about four hours. Yeah, that's true. Because what Nitro was about two and a half hours. Two twenty-ish, and Raw, Raw was, was about, about an hour and a half. half yeah. yeah. So about four hours, about the length of pay-per-view. So. We will see how long this episode is. You listening will know by the time code. We don't know how long we'll be here right now. Your guess is as good as mine, honestly. I'm guessing like two and a half hours. That's fair. Hopefully less. <laughs> yeah, there's not a. There's a lot to talk about, and also not a lot to talk. There's about. There's a lot to talk about, but not a lot to say. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> there are some pretty nothing matches on our card. And with that, we're going to start with the Nitro episode, January 4th, 1999, Monday Nitro, Might live well on TNT. Might get the shit out of the way first. From the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia. Woohoo! They claim this is their biggest crowd for a Nitro ever, which I'll take their word for. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't when Goldberg won the title in this arena. Well, they did. Didn't you tell me like they mostly do these shows in like smaller arenas so it can be more easily sold out so they can tell that they're sold out yes and this but is I mean, in like a small, football stadium smaller's like basketball where right. it's like 20,000 ish is usually the number right but this is in a football stadium yeah and this is sold out i don't I think. know if they said sold out but they said large crowd ever for nitro but i'm saying they they had nitro in here when goldberg won the title and like wrestled hogan right. for the title oh, I guess. but that didn't sell out 
My guess is because they actually advertised this match on Nitro as opposed to the Hogan match where they just casually announced it on Thunder. Because, you know, no, everybody watches Thunder. With no build. It wasn't like they were feuding. Just, here you go. I mean. Apparently Goldberg kind of found out by watching Thunder. Oh, you've, you've told me this story. I, mean, I think you saw it on the documentary. Yes, Goldberg told me this story. <laughs> yes, Bill, Bill told you. William told me. Me and Billy Boy. So Nitro starts with a dramatic recap package of the main event from Starcade. Just move it in slow motion. Or if it's Kevin Nash, it might be regular motion. It's hard to tell. Yeah. But it's Nash and Goldberg, and that's supposed to be the main event tonight, their rematch. Yeah, looking forward to it. So much. We have Tony Schiavone, Larry Zbysko, and Mike Tanay on commentary. And they bring out the Nitro Girls. Woohoo! Look at the Nitro Girls. We have the same men as usual to say about them. Not much. <laughs> like, we're not dance critics. We're barely even wrestling critics. Oh, no. I had a very, very short dance career where I had to take a dance class in high school. And I did very, very badly. I was in musical theater. That's not saying much. Listen, I don't know her name, but the, the the one that actually knows the choreography and is blonde and is cute, I got a little crush on. That doesn't surprise me. I don't. I don't know who. I don't know her name. <laughs> you have a type. I am also small and blonde. Do you know the choreography? No. Well, <laughs> learn it, Missy. I am a very bad dancer. So the commentators note that this is the first Nitro of the Ric Flair era. The Ric Flair era. Ric Flair era, which is. All- only gonna last 90 days like they've said you run nitro for 90 days so is it really i guess it's kind of an era does that qualify i don't think so i want to say an era is at least a year i feel like this is like a technical term flares run the show for 90 days i don't know when the 90 days starts from by the way and i'm i'm, I'm assuming c- it started when he won it i guess the first nitro was he running thunder commentary also notes that Hulk Hogan is here. No build for that either. But he's here to announce his running mate, so that's exciting. Yeah, he's basically just here to kind of wrap up his his affairs and go run for president. Yeah. They then throw to a Nitro party happening in one of the suites, as opposed to the videos we had been getting previously of, oh, hey, Nitro parties at people's houses, and it's weird. Yeah, those actually feel like authentic, fun fan parties. This just looks like a clusterfuck. Yeah, it's just a bunch of drunk dudes and one guy trying to shout out his family, who I guess was the winner and brought everybody else. But it's a bunch of guys who are just there to get drunk, and I don't, th- I don't know if they have any actual plans to watch the show. They don't seem to be. I get an open bar vibe from definitely. this. Definitely, definitely. We will check back in with them later, but first up, we get Glacier versus Hugh Morris with Jimmy Hart. Hugh Morris. Think my name's funny? You got the joke. Good for you. Thank you. Hugh Morris and Jimmy Hart, which I'm guessing are the remnants of the Dungeon of Doom. They didn't have the Dungeon of Doom theme song, but... That's an era that I... Hey, that's the word era again. That's a... uh, a time of WCW that I never really saw. I didn't, you never showed me a lot of Dungeon of Doom. Honestly, I'm okay with that. I showed you the uncensored triple level cage uh-huh, match. I'm good that with that being it. I've showed you uh, the Yeti. Can we make it like 
a running thing for the show to bring up the Yeti yes. in every episode. Yes. <laughs> the thing is, that didn't even feel like a stretch. No, it's, it really didn't. It's, it's way more natural than our one last time. Which is unfortunate. It's just Ugh. He's just always there. He's always in our hearts and our minds. Never forget. But yeah, I'm assuming the Dungeon of Doom is dead at this point. I'd be shocked if they're still kicking around. There was no mention of him, so I'm assuming it's dead. Yeah, probably. Commentary notes that apparently Hugh Morris is sporting a new look. Sure. Yeah, I think why he not? shaved his head, so. I do like um, Glacier's look, though. Like, his, his whole garb. His entrance look, because after that, he's just a dude in a singlet and one yeah. different and color contact. contact. But he, walking down, he's got the uh, he's got the face mask. Very 2020. Very yes. COVID cheek. Very forward thinking of Glacier. <laughs> What if I just went to the store looking at Glacier? Honestly, we live in an area where you would not be the weirdest thing in that store. Fair. We had very low expectations for this match. and I think it met those low expectations. Yeah, it's <laughs> just a general big boy match. I think the only note I have other than that is that Glacier takes a Rikishi bump off of a clothesline. And then Morris wins with a diving moonsault, which he calls no laughing matter. Glacier also does a really sad leapfrog in this over Hugh Morris. It's like, I can't remember. It must be towards the end because it's towards the end of my notes for this. But he jumps over Hugh. Because you had so many notes Yeah, for I this. had about three. He jumps over Hugh, but one of his legs doesn't quite leave the ground. It was more just like he swung one of his legs over in an attempt to do a leapfrog. It was really sad. So Hugh Morris wins. This isn't a story or anything, so no. that existed. So they need to put as much effort into this discussion for it as they put into putting it together. Yeah. And we have now hit that quota. Good for us. On commentary, Mike Tanay notes that now that Flair is in charge, everyone's a little more at ease, a little more relaxed. Yeah. And then Tony throws to a recap from last week, which... It's this, just a long promo. Not promo, video package. Well, even then, video package implies some level of, like, production value. The closest this got is we're going to kind of crop the footage and then put little flame bars on the top and bottom. I totally missed the flame bars. It, it weren't that notable. But, yeah, there's no music. It's just clips... It's just chopped up clips from last week. This is that point in the episode where we just kind of stopped watching and looked down at our phones or something, and yeah. then it was over. We're like, oh, well, that happened. We watched the episode last week. We don't need a recap. Yeah. <laughs> we then get the actual Nitro opening. Yeah, that felt late. They do it whenever the fuck they feel like it. It felt like the perfect time last week. Like, right after the limo thing. Well, like, even the that limo was the thing had timing. no purpose even being before it. It had no purpose really on the episode. It was it was like a using this term loosely. It was like a cold open and then the intro. Cold opens usually set things up. I said it was a loose use of the term. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where that intro has been has been all over the yeah. place in this us watching. So we get it there. After the nitro opening, we get the Flair family arriving with Arn Anderson, who, which depending on how you feel about Arn, he may just qualify under that. I I see him as the, like, the family uncle. He's not actually the uncle, but he's, like, you know, your dad's friend that's always around. We also get one of Ric Flair's daughters, which we have concluded is not Charlotte. Yes. We think it's Megan. At this point in time, I think Charlotte's, like, 12 and Megan's 18, and this girl looks smack dab in the middle. 
But according to the internet, Charlotte doesn't show up on WCW until 2000. So I'm going to just assume it's not Charlotte. Right. I, nothing on the internet led me to believe that it was Charlotte. Nothing <laughs> led me to believe either way. Just Well, because I, I looked up Charlotte Flair at WCW, and the only things that I saw were for, from 2000. Yeah. So because she's in like some storyline next year how do you feel about the fact that charlotte flair was in wcw she didn't wrestle obviously but she was there oh wow i wonder if she feels old for that she is slightly older than most people realize she's in her 40s right late mid late 30s somewhere in there but it's like i think there's just a stigma around the women's division because it used to be like all right everyone gets like three years and then we kick you out oh yeah you get a fourth year option if you pose for Playboy. <laughs> oh, God. The accuracy is sad. Yeah. The women's division has come very far. Yeah. The weird exception to that was Natalia, who's been around for, like, an absurd amount of time. Natalia scares me. But the horsemen come out to the ring with the Flair family once they're at the stage. Mainly because Dean Malenko is suddenly on crutches. He apparently hurt oh. himself the night before... At some show, and I think they're still trying to figure out how fucked up his ankle is. Because, like, we're, we're saying right now it's a sprained ankle. We're not sure. He has to get tested at some point, so. Yeah, it was on, like, a dark show or a house show. It might have been on, like, Worldwide or just one of the other shows they have. But it looks for real. It's not... It's not no, like it never comes up again, line, so, so I'm, it's definitely for there's real. no reason to think it's a work. Oof. So Gene is in the ring to interview Ric Flair. Rick is humble and is excited to do something to Bischoff, but asks him to come out. Bischoff then comes out in his usual attire, but Gene is like, oh, is is that any way for an executive to dress? He's wearing what he always wears. Why are you commenting on this now? He's wearing his leather daddy Bischoff garb. Rick says the easy thing to do would be to fire him, but instead he makes him go work for Tony Schiavone. (laughs) So Bischoff is now on commentary, and Mike today just fucks off, I guess. Like, yeah, he just, Mike, not Mike there. got the night off after that. Bischoff does not look thrilled and will spend a good portion of the night <laughs> saying nothing and being a pouty teenager. Yes. And it, it, it has moments of very funny and moments of very annoying. Yeah. But I still kind of love it's, it. It's a matter of when you see him, it's funny, but when half the match is... Tony and Larry trying to, like, get him to say something. Yeah. It just, they beat that dead horse. Yes, they do. And they do it in the middle of matches, too, which I hate, but. Flair then throws to a flashback of Bischoff firing referee Randy Anderson, who had cancer at the time. Yeah. And I guess. I don't know if that was shoot cancer, though. I'm guessing. I doubt it. I'm guessing it was. I'm guessing they wrote him out. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, hey, we're going to pay you through this. Can we kind of get some heat on your way out? Yeah. Because like, they've had his kids there to be like, don't fire my daddy. Fuck you. <laughs> but uh, he brings him back and doubles his salary. Good guy, Rick. But yeah, it was very heartwarming. It's very nice. Rick then thanks everybody who helped him last week and then books himself in a handicap match that sold out against Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham. Which, this is the first mention of the sold-out pay-per-view. Yes. Which is happening in two weeks? Yeah, 13 days. There's one Nitro in between. And this is also the first booked match. Again, 13 days, and this is the first booked match. Well, somewhat of the first booked match, because 
David Flair then grabs a mic and he's like, I want to be your partner, Dad. Rick's like, you don't know what you're doing. And then Arn, in the most uncle thing ever, is like, the boy knows what he's doing. (laughs) The the boy. The boy. Arn calling David the boy is just big vibes. Oh, it's sweet. As the kids say. Big vibes? Is, Is big vibes. Good vibes? Bad vibes? Big. Anyway, Rick then says, all right, fuck it. Tag team match, it's sold out. So that's so our... We got one match. Yep. <laughs> Buy the pay-per-view now. This was a fairly long segment, especially because it they was. like amplified by the fact that they followed the Flair family into the arena. Yeah. And then everything else was long, but it's setting up that things are different now. So... Somewhat necessary, but you could have trimmed some of the yeah, fat. Yeah, you absolutely could have trimmed some stuff. Some Trimmed the fat, I suppose. Well, all that fat was trimmed for our next match, which is Booker T versus Henry Hale. Oh my god, yeah. If that last segment was fat, this segment's a skeleton, dude. Hale gets no entrance, which is the real jobber entrance. I know we've oh. talked about, like, <laughs> you know when it, the, your music gets cut off by the next person. When you get a currently in the ring kind of entrance, that's usually a bad sign. Oh, no. There are exceptions. I think like two matches from now, but usually that's a bad sign. So this match lasts 59 seconds. Yeah, we had to look it up because we weren't sure if this one or the WrestleMania match between, um, oh, who was it? Rey Mysterio and Samoa Joe. I think that one's... Do you think that one's longer? No, 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 shorter. I think that one has one move. This one has at least four by my count. Because they kind of hit each other for, like, I'd say a bit, but a bit sounds too long. <laughs> Booker T hits a spine buster. He misses an elbow drop and then does the spin and Rooney to get back up, which is has the Emily seal of approval. It does. I don't hate that. He then hits a jumping sidekick, a missile drop kick, and then a pin. And that's it. Yeah. Putting it Booker T so over. Oh, quick. I think you describing it move by move might have been real time. Potentially. Booker gets the win, keeping him looking strong. Still nothing with Stevie Ray. Yeah, Stevie Ray hasn't even been in the episode the last two weeks. No, he hasn't. Spinning oh, their wheels right. with him. We'll see. Spinnerooning their wheels with him. I mean, listen, he'll eventually get a bunch to do. I'm just waiting for it to happen. <laughs> get the Nitro Girls again. Yeah. Like second time in the first hour. Yeah, they they do show up less in this episode than the last episode. The last episode was excessive, and there's a lot of them in this episode. It's like four times in this episode. Is it four? Okay, well, there was like, I don't remember. It's three, three early on, and then one randomly late like in the night. It felt like so many in the last episode, though, so it feels like less in this one. And then on commentary, Eric Bischoff is still being a pouty teenager. Just feet up on the desk, just... And now know. Tony is like threatening, like, you know, if you don't say anything, I'm going to have to report you to Mr. Flair. Eric Bischoff has has the vibe of a child who was being annoying on a car trip, so his mom took his Game Boy Color. Oh, your mom must have loved you. I didn't have a Game Boy Color. I don't have a transition from that to how just blah this next match is. Because we get a rematch of Norman Smiley versus Chavo Guerrero. I'm so Jr. tired of Norman Smiley. I'm tired of this man. He's around for a while. <sighs> So Chavo still has the horse again, which has a name. We have a name now. His name is Pepe. Pepe the horse. Pepe the horse. It's still a bad gimmick. Mm-hmm. Chavo dropkicks Smiley out of the ring and then rides the horse around. 
There is a good camera shot in this match, though. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, with him, like, the horse head in the corner, like, looking into the ring. If this gimmick does not get paid off with a Godfather reference, then I don't know what the writers are doing. <laughs> not the Godfather from WWF, the Godfather no, movie. No, <laughs> horse head in the bed, Godfather movie. <laughs> Spoilers from the 70s. So this is the start of Tony and Larry teasing Bischoff on commentary. And I don't really have any specific stuff. I just remember it gets old pretty quick. Yeah. Smiley hits his spinning scoop slam. After that, he hits a world's strongest slam, which it's not the name of the move at the time, but that's what it ends up becoming. Who? Wait, when does it become that? I didn't know it had a name at all. Oh, Mark Henry. It's Mark Henry's finishing move oh, later oh, in his career. Duh. Yeah, just the... Yeah. The world's pig- strongest slam? Yeah, because he was the world's strongest yeah, man. Yeah, but that's such a lame name for a finisher. I don't mind it. I don't like it. It's better than the big wiggle. You're right. You're absolutely right. Ugh, the big wiggle. Well, yeah, sometimes just shorthand, we're going to name moves other people's eventual finisher moves. Like, we call it Stratisfaction, and just sometimes it's easier than... So he does a bulldog, but then he runs off the two ropes, and like, you know, let's just call it by the name people now. These guys just generally work pretty sloppy. It's not a very clean match. No, it's not a clean match. It's not an interesting match. It's It's a match. Which is no more evident than... Chavo goes for some sort of springboard move from the inside. Oh, yeah. And he slips on the ropes and then ends up on the apron. And it's like, okay, you can save this. But then kind of awkwardly vaults over, not really doing any sort of move. And it's like, oh, okay. You you had a chance. thinking on his feet there. No. You had a chance to save it and you didn't. Oh, before that, Smiley does the big wiggle, and Chavo hits a drop kick, and I think he does a wiggle yeah, of his own. Yeah, he does like a little taunt back, and they call it the little wiggle. I'm sure, that'll catch on. I'm sure. I hate it. I hate all of it. Oh, uh, Chavo wins after reversing the chicken wing into a sunset flip. <laughs> the chicken wing. And I don't know if he was actually meant to be a heel beforehand, but Smiley attacks Chavo after the bell. And just starts throwing Pepe at him. Yeah. And so Norma Smiley is definitely a heel now. What did Pepe do to you? The reason I was confused about whether or not he was a heel, because I felt like he was. But the dance gets a pop. And so I'm like, okay, if you're trying to get heat, don't do the dance. But this is also a wrestler that doesn't get a lot of, like, you know, production love. It's not like Bischoff was talking about how great Norman Smiley is. So when he can get a pop, I... I I kind of understand why he would want to do it, whether he's a heel or a face. Yeah, I think I'm thinking more of current WWE where they're like, you know, Cesaro. Mm-hmm. He would do the giant swing and everyone would like count and cheer and he was a heel. So they're yeah. like, you need to stop that. So yeah, nothing match, but I am concerned that this is going to be unsold out as well. Because what else is going to be on there? This is how Norman Smiley had his last match of pay-per-view. True, right? Wrestle Prince Iakea against... a bunch and just... Yeah. So, I think that the test is, is that match on the next Nitro? Because if it is, then it's I... definitely... No, I don't think it'll be on sold out. If it's not, then I'm like, oh, okay, you're saving that for sold out. Really? This is the one that you're going to hold out on and save? I also don't know if it'll be on there because the past couple years... Sold Out has been, like, hosted by the NWO. Like, it's an NWO pay-per-view. It's not a WCW pay-per-view. 
So I don't know if that's still the case or if they've realized that that's a bad idea and no one likes it and it's now just a regular pay-per-view. Mm. So we'll see how self-indulgent that is and if there will be any two non-NWO wrestler matches. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess I didn't realize that sold out was only an NWO thing. You've actually seen a little bit of one of the sold outs. We watched the Miss NWO contest. Oh, God, was that on sold out? Sold out in 1997. That was in the first one ever. With the grain inspector? Yes. And, you know, her friend, the grain inspector? I don't think that I'll be making a return. Damn. I'm pretty sure. I think that was one night only. Damn. Because to this day, no one knows what the point was. It just ends with Eric Bischoff making out with a woman in her, like, 50s. It was really funny, though. I mean, none of the women could hear a single thing that was being said to them. What? Everyone with a question. I can't hear you. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I don't believe there's that. Bummer. And additionally, at that one, any guys who weren't NWO would come out to no music and just, like, a mocking ring announcer. Yeah. And it was just... It did terrible business because how do most NWO matches end? DQ. Just some sort of bullshit ending, yeah. basically. And it's like, what if you had a pay-per-view full of that and you gave us money for it? Yeah, no, that would not have flown. For me, at least. We do get some NWO action in our next match. We get Horace Hogan versus already in the ring Chris Benoit. Which, I'm like, which what? Like, he's not a jobber. No. I was confused. I'm like, and of the two, you're given the entrance to Horace Hogan. I know. Well, Hulk's showing up later, so I guess. I guess, yeah. Got to get him on. Yeah, I kind of forgot about Horace Hogan. He kind of like fell into the back of my brain as like a generic bald wrestler man in the NWO. In the NWO. So early on, Benoit goes for triple Germans, but Horace grabs the ropes after two. He manages to hit a suicide dive on the outside to Benoit. I'm like, I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah. I didn't think you would do that. It looked good, though. It did. I I was amazed. <laughs> it looked impactful. Horace is then feeling bold from that because he goes up to the top rope, but Benoit catches him with a superplex. Yeah. It's like a snappy one, too. He gets up there like, oh, go. Yeah. Benoit then follows up with a diving headbutt, which he hits, but it seems to daze him more than it hurts. <laughs> it it like dazed both of them. But like, I feel like Horace gets up first. It's like, oh, Benoit's really out of it. And I'm like, but this is also one of those those hits where Benoit hits his head, and we both go, Ugh. yeah. We're trying to ignore it, but sometimes we can't. <laughs> Horace hits a shoulder breaker and goes to the pin, but Benoit kicks out. He then tries to get Benoit up for a suplex, but Benoit counters it into the crossface, and Horace taps out. It made it made Horace Hogan look really good. Yeah, match. I was incredibly surprised at how passable this match. <laughs> That's sad. Well, it's also like you expect Benoit to look good, but like Horace looked pretty good too. Mm-hmm. And it's like it didn't feel like Benoit was making Horace look good. It seemed like Horace just it was just holding his own. Yeah, yeah. They both look. I good. mean, it's like a four minute match. So you can only do so much, but yeah. it, it did Horace look good? Got to give him credit. They they both did very well with the allotted time. Commentary then throws to backstage where the police have a warrant for Goldberg's arrest. (laughs) Yeah, Goldberg is just standing amongst a big group of cops and he's just kind of berating them like, I do so much for this community. You can't arrest me. You know me. I'm a good guy. Like, yeah, well, he leads with that before saying he's innocent. Oh, yeah. He doesn't say he's innocent for a few minutes. He also says it'll take every gun and thing of mace they have to bring him in. 
Which, is that not resisting arrest? Well, luckily, another cop who is apparently friends with Goldberg is like, Bill, come on. Just come down to the station. We can get it sorted out. And he's like, Joe, you know I'm innocent. Like, I know. I know, Bill. But come on. Joe, come on. Come on, Joe. And then there's one cop, the, the original main cop, who went to the Hart family school of promos because he has one note and he's going to fucking hit it. We have an arrest warrant. And just. We have a warrant I, for your arrest. We have an arrest warrant. We're done. We have an arrest warrant. <laughs> He has one line and he's gonna say it, damn it. And he's in like all these segments mm-hmm. too. I don't think he talks after this one though. So we also can't decide if these are actual cops. Yeah, the the bad acting from some of them it makes me think yes. And like none of them are like young hunky studs that are clearly indie wrestlers. Right, yeah. Like, Sometimes it's obvious. Like, the guy Joe is like in his like fifties looks like. Yeah. They look like they could actually be cops. So are they real cops? Yeah, we'll we'll discuss this as we see them going on. Because I'm in the camp of yes. <laughs> I really can't decide. I don't know. So yeah, they just do, they don't tell him what the charges are no. and they bring him out to a cop car, which is like a nineteen ninety three green chevy malibu yeah just a standard four-door sedan yeah no, no like not even any sort of like attempt at a light on top just, yeah this is not a cop car no. this is somebody's car kevin nash comes out as he's being arrested and he's like oh what the hell like, i have a title match and then hogan is suddenly there and yeah. is laughing at both of them and he's like oh i know goldberg's guilty but guilty of what yeah <laughs> what is he guilty of they go inside and detectives are Interviewing Miss Elizabeth as we go to break. Our next match is Perry Saturn versus Chris Jericho, which I was very excited for. Yeah, you were you were hopeful. Yeah, <laughs> I was hopeful. <laughs> so the, the, there's a clip missing, which they put in later, which we'll talk about when we get to it. But just know there is some context for this, which is not given to the audience until yeah. about an hour from now. Yeah. But in the match, Saturn hits a belly-to-belly fairly early on, and there's, there's some decent back-and-forth action between the two. Jericho ends up hitting a triangle dropkick. He goes for a cocky pin a bit after. Of course, Saturn kicks out. Jericho goes for a chin lock and an immediate, ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Every time. like that's, that's, That is the order now. <laughs> yeah, he tries to do that cocky, like, leg on the, the back, or the leg on the chest stance. Where he goes, yeah, baby. Come on, baby. Oh, come on, baby. And then obviously kicks out and then ask him. It's the Jericho School of Wrestling. Saturn hits another nice belly to belly. Jericho misses a spin kick and Saturn goes for a Death Valley driver. But Jericho wiggles out, but Saturn's able to hit a T-bone suplex. Jericho wiggles out. The big wiggle. So. <laughs> the Death Valley driver is just like a great name for a move, though. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, like there are some moves that these kind of nothing people at this point have that are just amazing. Like the Tequila Sunrise, so good. It's fun. I don't know the name origin of the Death Valley Driver. No? no I have no idea where that comes from, but it's like that's just like, that's the name of that move. That's not a that's not a Perry Saturn exclusive thing. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's just one. like I think Tommy Dreamer has that in ECW right now and John Cena will eventually steal it and call it the FU. I like it. Saturn tries for a springboard attack, but Jericho pulls the ref in the way. He then low blows Saturn, hits a lion salt. Then he starts to get Saturn into the lion tamer. And before he's even has it remotely in, the ref calls for the bell. 
Yeah, so you would think that hitting a ref would be, like, the worst thing that he could possibly do. Like, this happens all the time. Well, it's also, like, Jericho pulled him in the way. It's, like... I can't... He pulled the referee in the way of the attack. Like, you can't blame Saturn on that one. No, no. But, considering he's going for the submission hold, it's, like, a... Are you saying he gave up, or are you DQing him? Because... Right, it was very confusing. Yeah, he just raises Jericho's hand, and there's not really an announcement. And, I don't know, maybe... Maybe there was a live crowd, but once again, it's not passion through the... Kind of all we got was just commentary being like, oh, I know that Perry's have having issues with that ref. Which they never mentioned during the match. Yeah, and that was after the DQ happened, so what? Yeah, we're assuming he won by DQ. Yeah. It's the most logical we have. Yeah. We go to the police station, and Goldberg is apparently under arrest for aggravated stalking of Miss Elizabeth. Aggravated stalking. And this was what made me think that they are real cops because there's just like chatter going on on the walkies and like the one main cop has to like turn his walkie down like, oh shit. That is the most compelling evidence that you have shown. Oh, they're not good actors. Well, nobody's a good actor in WCW (laughs) or wrestling in general. No one's a good actor. I dare you. Hulk Hogan has been in many films. That doesn't make him a good actor. (laughs) We then get at the... Nitro Girls calendar ad, followed by the Nitro Girls themselves. Yeah, and this one was looking real rough. It's like they choreographed this five minutes before coming out. Nobody knew this one. So you definitely didn't notice was the Nitro party. We go back to that, and they <laughs> they are way drunker than they were before. <laughs> yeah. And they're, like, thumb wrestling in, like, a paper mache yeah. c- cardboard... So construction paper sort of ring. It looks like production just like handed them a construction paper thumb wrestling thing and was like, go ham. And these guys, you know, drunk off their ass, they start and immediately tear the thing up to pieces. Like it's just obliterated before who, the, whoever the poor soul up there trying to do interviews can like say anything. It's gone. It's destroyed. Yeah. He asked them, like, oh, what have you liked in the show so far? The guy's like, I like when Goldberg got arrested. Even the interviewer's like, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Free Goldberg. And there's also a uh, jailbreak chant that starts between them. And These men are not watching the show. I, You know, I wonder if we were supposed to go back to them again, and it was like, we can't. (laughs) They're too too far gone. Yeah, I'm willing to bet open bar especially because like you won a party kind of thing yeah and wcw would occasionally just be like hey come out to the show free beer see that'd be fun i wish that we could like go to something like that now yeah now it'll be like oh hey it's unlimited beer but it'll cost you 120 dollars." yeah fuck that <laughs> and if you don't get it it's like 15 dollars per per eight ounce beer Ugh. and it's only bush light bush light oh yeah. no <laughs> exactly Backstage, detectives question Miss Elizabeth, and she establishes her story. Yeah, so she says that whoever Goldberg, supposedly, who is stalking her, follows her everywhere. Yeah, to all the nitros, all the pay-per-views, at the hotels at all the shows. At the gym. At the gym, and it's like, so places Goldberg would be. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, so when, when was the last assault? When was the last meeting of the two? She's like, oh, just outside of the water cooler. Yeah. At the water cooler. Remember that. <laughs> also, I mean, she's fairly fit, but like, Miss Elizabeth doesn't strike me as somebody who's like, going to the gym a ton. No, well, okay. You're correct. But also, I have a Planet Fitness membership and they have tanning beds and a spa. Fair. So. <laughs> she just has big mom energy at this point. 
Yeah, she does. Big Karen energy in this. You're right. It's sad. We then get the most peculiar item in the night. Oh my god, yeah. Which I thought was just like a little LWO hype package, but then turns into like a 7 to 10 minute cinematic adventure with the LWO. It keeps going and spiraling. It's like, it's a movie. You're right. It's a cinematic adventure. Where they're, like, in what I assume is Eddie's house or a party hosted well, by Eddie? Well, before that, they're somewhere, like, in some parking lot. And Eddie's, like, trying to charm all these ladies and tells, like, two of his guys, like, go, go park the cars. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess the LWO are going to go bang these chicks. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's going to cut here. And I'm like, no, we go to the party. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, of course, there's a mariachi band because it's the LWO. <laughs> I just wrote, like, what is this segment? It was wild. It was a wild ride. I think it was meant to convey that Eddie's a dickhead to his own people. Yeah? There's a bit... I said it ends with this. It does not end here. But, like, where him and, like, his bodyguard are, like, on one couch with all the women. And, like, on the other couch is just a couple LWO dudes. Like, oh, I wish I was over there. I think you're, well, at least you're reading into it more than I ever was. I mean, like, they shot all this for a a reason, you would assume. You would assume, but they also, they also shot all that stuff with Raven, and that never came back. I forgot about that. Yeah, that happened. Hmm. I wonder if I ever see him again. I don't know. He is in Florida. But yeah, because, like, it's, like, the same guy who tells, park the car, and, like, it is looking mopey on the couch, and then later he's like, get us, get us some Cokes. Some Cokes, not some Coke, is a fine line. It is a very, yes, it is a fine line of Cokes. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was just like a party. It was... Yeah, Eddie cuts a promo to his crowd, and I think one of the main reasons this is weird is because commentary didn't throw to it at all. It's just like, no, it just here's this in isolation. And I went... It just happened. Okay. And then it ends, and I'm like, sure. Sure. Because, like, this very well could have just been a 20, 30 second promo with Eddie at the cars and, like, the cars are bouncing and doing their little whatever thing. I don't know how cars do that. I'm not. Oh, yeah. Like, low rider kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know how that happens. But Hy- that could have been it. Hydraulics. Sure. That could have been it. But then it just kept going. And, it, yeah, it went for, like, what, seven minutes? Eight it minutes? It felt like a while. It just kept going. Like you said, like, you kept thinking it was going to end, but it just kept going. For the next match, we get Bobby Heenan replacing Larry Zbysko. So now it's uh, Tony, Bobby Heenan, and Eric Bischoff, who still has not said a single word. No, he's still being pouty. I still kind of love it. We then get Kidman and Rey Mysterio versus Hoofentude Guerrera and Psychosis. Yeah, Psychosis is not one that I've ever seen. But he's got a cool, like, headpiece, so that's cool. Like, mask, you mean? Yeah, like like a cool mask. And with Rey Mysterio coming out, it's time for this week's... Who's that Pokemon? So we didn't really set up how this is going to work. I'm going to have various acceptable answers, and you have to guess. Who is that Pokemon? Okay, so my answer this week, I had two, but I'm going to narrow it down to one. Okay. If you're um, curious from my second one. I'll yeah, for context, Ray is wearing like a neon yellow, like mostly like white and black. It's mostly neon yellow, but there is a fair amount of white and a fair amount of black in it as well. Yeah. We had a hard time with this one. This one was tough. So I went with Elekid. Not a 
bad answer. Okay. I peeked back at it, and there is a fair amount of white. And Elekid is really just kind of yellow and black. Yellow. But I was just going, I knew it was like very electric yellow, so I was going electric type yellow Pokemon. My second guess was Zapdos. Yeah, I went a little further. I might give you partial credit for Elekid. Partial credit. There's a lot of white in there. I was looking for Beedrill. See, Beedrill's not like as electric yellow neon. Yeah, but I'm just going for yellow, black, and white at a certain point. Because there's there really aren't any neon Pokemon. If you look up neon Pokemon, it just comes like neon lights of Pokemon. So when I looked it up initially, I looked up like neon yellow Pokemon. And the the first one that came up after like the merchandise of the neon lights, whatever, was a shiny Scyther. I, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I didn't really think about shinies much for this game. This one was more green, though, but it, that's the first one that came up, and I thought it was interesting. Oh, I think so I it was down. neon yellow. And it, it, I typed in neon yellow, but it, that one looks more green to me. Oh, I will also accept the uh, only scene in the anime and never really brought up again, the GS ball. The GS ball? It's a, yeah, it's a Pokeball. That... We're not doing who's that Pokeball. L- listen, it was supposed to have some sort of context in the series. I think it was like contained celibate. They never paid it off. <laughs> it was supposed to have something. It's who's that Pokemon. It's not who's that Pokeball. I'll also accept. Uh, this one's a real. You're gonna get mad at this one. I'll also accept uh, neon yellow Joy Cons for you to play Pokemon on. No, that, no. What? <laughs> Excuse me. No. Be uh, Beedrill was the correct answer for this week. Okay. <laughs> so Hoovy is still trying to earn Eddie's love, which is just so sad. Yeah, Eddie's not so even sad. like here tonight. Just like, no. Looks into the camera when he comes into the ring and is like, I got it, Eddie. You don't have to worry. I got this. I'm like, he's not even here, bud. He doesn't give a shit about you. He he then refuses to tag in, so Psychosis has to like force tag him in. <laughs> Ray tags in and hits a diving hurricane rana. Ray then vaults Hoovy into a spine buster from Kidman. Afterwards, he body scissors Hoovy to the outside, and then we get our first instance of what made me hate this match. <laughs> Psychosis just decides. Nah, fuck the rules. And just is constantly in the ring when he shouldn't be. Yeah, this is a tag team match. Yes, just a regular tag team match. Because yeah. he just is suddenly attacking Ray from behind. And I'm like, what the f- Ref, get him fucking out DQ? of there. DQ? Is this our DQ of the week? Or you bad know, call of the week? You know what? I didn't really have one. So yeah, that would be it. <laughs> Hoobie springboard dropkicks Ray to the outside. And then... Psychosis just gets in the ring. They kind of like high five once they're in the ring and they just count that as a tag. And I'm like, no, there's a tag rope. I was losing my mind during this match. Like, listen, sometimes when shit gets crazy, you're going to lose track of who the legal man is. That's fine. It was between losing who the legal man is and I'm just going to come in when I feel like it. Yeah, I, I kept zoning out in this match. I was unfortunately not, you know enraptured by it yeah. and to add to it psychosis and hoovy are like in the ring working over ray and kidman's like okay well i guess i'll get in and i was like no 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 no, no. you stay over there and i'm <laughs> oh, like oh i didn't notice that like, rough turn around it didn't even seem like good heel work it just seemed like the rest like i don't fucking know what they're doing over there so yeah. kidman gets the hot tag but is then cut off by more interference from psychosis <laughs> i'm just like stay in your fucking corner Oh, psychosis. Kidman manages to fight both of them off, and then him and Ray hit stereo dives to the outside from the top rope, which is where the commentators note, like, oh, is you know, tornado rules, and it's like, no, yeah. it's not. What is tornado rules? All four men are in at the same time. 
Oh. And, you know, you can pin either... Either person from your team can pin either person from their team. Okay, so you would not have to tag. No, there's no tagging in those. So this is... Yeah, picture any sort of, like, tag team tables or tag ladder match. Yeah. The weirdest is when they try to do it in uh, a a cage match where they're like, we're going to have tags in here. And it's like, it's no DQ. What are you going to (laughs) do? It's a cage match. So, like, yeah, what was... If if it's a tornado match, why are they trying to tag? It's not a tornado match. That's why. Okay. It's just commentary trying to explain shit. Badly. And I don't think they were going for... It's very much like a Mexican kind of luchador move of, like, if you're teammate is like tossed to the outside you can just come in and then you are the legal man then mm. but you they have to be tossed to the outside you can't just come in when you feel like i'm like i'm legal now can they come round the outside round the outside round the outside it's designed to like <laughs> it's designed to like keep the action flowing and that way it's not the slow plotting right. we're gonna just punch and kick around the the apron yeah which we'll see in a couple other matches tonight <laughs> I really love when I just make song references and you look at me like you want to murder me. You know, because I'm going to cut all of them out. And add no, you them. don't. No, you don't. No, that one didn't even work. Yes, it did. No, it didn't. You said they couldn't come around like around the apron, which is around the outside. You No, you said that beforehand. Oh, well, I was thinking about it. I said they get tossed <laughs> to the outside and you went around the outside. No, that still works. No. I'm funny. Hoovy then hits a Hoovy driver on Ray, but Kidman breaks it up. Psychosis then comes in and tosses Kidman to the outside. Kidman then accidentally top rope drop kicks Ray, and Psychosis hits a diving leg drop on him for the win. This was a very sloppy match in execution and rules. Yeah. I was losing my mind during it, and it's like a... And it hurts it considering how good the Cruiserweight matches have been around this, that I'm like, this was a severe step down for me. Yeah, for the past few weeks, the cruiserweight match has been like our match of the night. Oh yeah, but not this week. <sighs> Fucking psychosis. He is now like I'm worried for any match, he's, any tag match he's in. Yeah. Have him in singles matches. It's fine. Have him versus Ray. It'll be fine. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know him in singles matches, so. You better know him at all, do you? I don't know him at all. Do you want to know what culturally insensitive gimmick he got upon coming to WWE? Oh no. Him and a wrestler called Super Crazy were part of the Mexicals. And they came out on lawnmowers. No. Yep. Why? It's actually in one of the video games as well. Oh my god. You can have your crazy wrestler come out on on a lawnmower. What? Who? Who approved this? Which I think was the workaround for a little bit of, if you wanted to have American Badass Undertaker, you just have him come out on the lawnmower. Because there were no, because there wasn't the bike in the game. Oh my god! What HR team is WWEF missing? It was 2006. HR didn't exist. No, then. no. HR existed in 2006. Cultural insensitivity existed in 2006. I don't think there's any facts to support that. Uh. So we go to the police station again, and Goldberg's like, "Yeah, we both." Work for the same company. We're going to be in the same place. Also, that gym she saw me at, I own. I'm going to be there. <laughs> and he's like, I want to go. Like, Get let me, me go. And they're like, no, we got to keep you a little longer. Like, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, I think we missed them noting that the police station is across the street. Yes. It's across the street from the Georgia Dome. 
It's across the street. Cross street. Remember that. <laughs> back in the arena, we get Mean Gene interviewing Kevin Nash. Mean Woo by God, Gene. I think you did you say it right there? By God. Yeah. Oh damn it! No. <laughs> yes. No. I also can't picture Kevin Nash doing that. So. Ooh, I don't like that. So Nash admits that Goldberg got screwed at Starcade. Yes. He also claims that Hogan is probably behind Liz's trumped up charges. Yeah, he says if Liz is involved, Hogan is pulling the strings. So yeah. Fair. He also says that he wants Hogan tonight and asks Flair for a match. Yeah. But he also says that the Goldberg match will still happen. So I thought he was only getting... like There was a lot of confusion in this because I thought he was only going to get the Hogan match if Goldberg could not come. So Nash says he wants both. Flair then comes out and says, yeah, if Goldberg won't show up, then you get Hogan. Mm-hmm. Commentary then says, we're going to get both matches. So I'm guessing Flair ended up just saying the wrong thing during the promo. Okay. That's my best guess. Sure. I don't know. Flair also says that he disagrees with how Nash won it, but notes that, like, listen, you are the champion. And he does agree that he's like, yeah, Hogan's probably behind the Goldberg thing. Oh, okay. So... Seemingly, we're going to get both matches. Supposedly. Based on commentary and Kevin Nash. Supposedly. When? I don't know. Hey there, listener. It's audio editor Nick here. Our audio got distorted for about 60 seconds, so if you found that real annoying and distorted, skip ahead 60 seconds. We go backstage again with Miss Elizabeth, and the cracks are already forming in the laziest ways possible. Oh my god, yeah. I was at the Coke machine getting myself a Diet Pepsi. When she said she was at the water cooler, and now she's getting a Diet Pepsi from the Coke machine. Yeah, see, the, huh? that's, that's more, I'm like, okay, you're clearly... You're not even trying. <laughs> What was he wearing? He was wearing red tights. Have you ever seen... Okay, that was where it got me. If I was a detective, as soon as she said, oh yeah, he was in red tights, I'm like, okay, no, no, no. Goldberg has never worn anything other than black trunks. No. We do get somebody later who we usually see in black trunks wearing long red tights. True, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> what if? What, the, the crossover of the season. She also claims that Goldberg calls her and is breathing into the phone, but hangs up before he says anything. Ew. Like that's... How do you know it's him? Yeah. What movie were we watching? It was like a horror movie. Scream. Was it Scream? You need to give me any I'm more sorry. context than Drew Barrymore. Scream. Was oh, it Scream? Yeah. It's uh, also starring David Arquette. Oh yeah, I forget. But I don't see why David Arquette, being a co-star, would would have any sort of impact on the podcast. Mm, I get to talk about Friends when that comes up. Courtney Cox will actually. Is she on WCW? She, she's like a pre-tape kind of thing. <gasps> So, we close out with Liz getting very defensive about just... Everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, she starts, like, kind of yelling at the detectives, like, I'm the victim. Why are you questioning me so much? You're supposed to be here to help me. Like, girl. So, we'll have to check back in with her a little bit later. But next, we get a Mean Gene interview with Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Big booze for Hulk Hogan. Good. (laughs) That's all I've got to say on that good... Gene asks where the political aspirations are tonight. Hogan says that the wrestling world still revolves all around him. So this is when he supposedly would be announcing his VP. Yeah, he actually says he was going to. He's going to retire and name his VP, but uh, apparently Kevin Nash has been talking some mess. (laughs) Hey, yo, you talking smack, bro? He calls Kevin Nash Big Tall Spoon. Is the, okay, as a tall person, is that an insult? I wouldn't know. Who would come up and be like, what? <laughs> but he claims that Nash is saying 
that Hogan's afraid. Oh. Yeah, people are saying. People are saying. People are saying. Gene then notes that the match Nash wanted is for the title. Which was not established earlier. No. Don't know where that came from. But now it's a much higher stakes match. (laughs) He also asks Hogan, like, are you going to do the match? It's like, Flair said he's under contract and he has to do the match. Right. Don't think you have an option here, bud. (laughs) But he says he's going to. Oh, good. Oh, good. He's going to make that sacrifice for us. And he says when he wins, the Wolfpack can call him Hollywood, the big bad wolf. Um, I didn't know what he was going for there. I don't know either. Was he going for like, who's afraid of the big bad wolf? I mean. Hollywood, the big bad wolf. Maybe. It's not good. He could have gone the big bad Holly wolf. That would have been better. Even that's not even good. It's still not good. But <laughs> it it's sounded better. better in my head, and then I'm like, uh. it's better than Hollywood, the big bad wolf. Yeah. So it, yeah. Gene wraps that up, and the commentators uh, go to throw to commercial. But Tony says something kind of interesting here. If you're even thinking about changing the channel to our competition fans, do not. We get it. We did it. They said they said the name. They said the name. We're they done. said the name. We're done. Close it up. All right. Thanks for listening and uh, bye. No, we got to keep going. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Thoughts on them giving away the results and ruining it a little bit. It's just petty. Like, why Why did they choose to do this? So, they actually hadn't done it in a while, but back in, like, 95, 96, when WF was putting out terrible products, just like, hey, here's what's going on over there, so you don't oh. even need to change the channel. Like, just, you know, Shawn Michaels won with Super Kick. The weirdest one of those was, like, yeah, Shawn Michaels uh, hits the big guy with Super Kick that wouldn't have gotten him, like, a green belt at any karate dojo, and I'm like, who the fuck cares? What? <laughs> Okay, so this had some kind of precedent, but it's still like... Well, they hadn't done it in a while. It's real petty. I. You know what the the kind of funny part of this is? You know who gave away the results? Hmm. WWF. What? They put it on their website. Oh, but it was what? 1999, so no one... So no one was on the website. Yeah. <laughs> like, the information was out there, but it was just so not that accessible that people didn't know. Oh, God, wow. Yeah, I didn't like it. It it just seemed real, like, mean girl. And also, like, you've been listening to us talk about the show up to this point. It's not that great. Why are you trying to compare it no. to what Raw's doing? Like, Yeah, so huh? we will give Tony Schiavone a free pass on this. He was very much made to do this by his boss, who was sitting to his right. He called Mick Foley later that night, like, in tears. Yeah, I didn't like it. I thought it was just petty and mean and... I'm glad that Tony apologized and felt bad about it, but uh, yeah. still. And I think the number is an estimated 600,000 people changed the channel. Yeah, because Mick Foley at this point was still a pretty big name, right? Yeah, I mean, he's you know probably the number two face they have in that company. Yeah, so him getting the championship belt, yeah. that's And like, people know how hard he's worked, and it's like, oh my god, this hardworking guy achieves his dream tonight. Don't bother. Yeah, what were you thinking? I'll tell you this much. They don't do it again. So how many people did you say? It's an estimated 600,000 people. 
I mean, like, I would have. I would have changed the channel. We then get a WCW MasterCard commercial, which I was trying to figure out if WCW was giving out its own lines of credit or if these are just various, like... No, I think this is just like a MasterCard skins sort of thing, you yeah. know? Listen, I used to work for GameStop and they had their own credit card and I'm just like, oh my, I don't even know what the hell the uh, interest rate would be on a WCW credit card. Oh God. Yeah. American Eagle had that too when I worked there. After that, we get some much needed context from the Jericho match. Yeah, this is when they choose to give us the context. What? Yeah, it's Jericho sympathizing with the referee. I mean, like, man, if he puts his hands on you again, you should really disqualify him. Yeah, like what? Yeah, I don't know why. I that... still need more context. What did Perry Saturn do to this ref? I don't know. Probably something on Thunder. This should have happened right before the Jericho match. Why was this so late? See, I almost think, was that so messy that they actually had to film, like, oh, here's an explanation for what the fuck actually happened? No. No, they would not have done that. Again, I cite the Raven thing that does not have any kind of context post. Like, no, they're not going to go back and retcon a a decision like that. No. This was pre-taped. This was planned. No. Yeah, I, sorry, I'm just looking ahead to our next match. We get Scott Steiner with Buff Bagwell versus Conan. Your favorite. You love Buff Bagwell. I'm really, like, souring on Conan, too. I'm just like, oh, I don't care. Yeah, he's kind of nothing. He he comes out and says the same thing every time, does the same moveset, and that's it. No NWO ref with uh, Steiner and Bagwell coming out, which I thought was weird. Maybe it's because this is a title match. I don't even remember if it actually was or not. Maybe because it's a WCW title, you ha- actually have to have a WCW ref? No, because they've done this thing before. They've done this before with... I'm pretty sure the NWO ref was there when Scott Steiner won the belt initially. That was last week and it was yeah. WCW ref. But wasn't it initially an NWO ref and they like knocked him out and brought in a WCW ref? Whatever logic. It's arbitrary. So Steiner cuts a I'm the best at sex promo again. <laughs> yeah, he says, don't want to be with a fat redneck? I'll take you to Loveland. Like, excuse me? Sure. Loveland You've sounds never great. made love to a woman before. Wow. How dare you presume? How, how dare I safely presume? He also claims that WCW was trying to censor him <laughs> since he lit Mark McGuire's hat and jersey on fire, <sighs> which I'm like, no, you lit his hat on fire. <laughs> no, did not, you did not successfully light Yeah, that jersey. jersey did not catch flames. No. So don't talk about being censored this week. But he also claims now that he has the belt, they can't censor him. He's out of control and loving it. I don't think that that's a thing. I don't think it's like, oh, you have a belt. Now you can do whatever the fuck you want. Like, I don't think so. He pulled his dick out on television, but he's the world champion. So, so I guess it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Buff then makes fun of Ric Flair's heart attack, which wasn't a heart attack. He was poisoned. Yeah. Stick with your kayfabe, guys. Conan comes out with no one again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bring Luger. Fucking... Maybe you should have let Disco in, because Disco would have watched your back. Oh, yeah. Disco would have been a great little teammate. But instead, Dakota just kind of comes out swinging, though. Yeah. But this seems to be the match where commentary wants to talk about WWF and Mick Foley again. Yeah, they double down on it. Because everyone knows the first one. I think people forget that, like, during the match, they're like, yep, he's going to win that title. And they keep, like, emphasizing, oh, we're we're live. They're pre-taped. You don't know what's going to happen here. If you don't read spoilers, you don't know what's going to happen either. I mean, yeah. 
And it's also 1999. There's not ample space to find spoilers. The internet is not in every home yet. I'm entirely unenthused by these two. It's pretty much a similar match to last time. and It's a very nothing match. It's a talkover match. Yeah, they don't do anything interesting. No, they really don't. Conan hits a sloppy face buster that they seem to get the timing wrong for. And then goes for the tequila sunrise, but Buff then just gets in the ring with the belt. And before he even does anything, it's like, nope, DQ. DQ. That, that is a DQ that they call. I'm like, sure. I guess you have now defended your title successfully because it can't change via DQ. Right. Scott then tosses the ref to the outside and works over Conan. The NWO ref is now here. Yeah. Now he comes down. Steiner puts in the Steiner recliner and the NWO ref calls for the bell. Okay. So, it, what, what, who won? Conan Conan actually won by DQ, but he doesn't win the bell because it's a DQ. Right. Steiner then hits Conan with a chair repeatedly to kind of end the segment. Yeah. What? I imagine this would be the last time these two face each other. You think? I think so. We'll see. Watch it be next week. Or at Sold Out, which they actually have a Sold Out ad for. Yeah, which is impressive. We have one match scheduled for still. <laughs> and not really much that looks like it's going to be on it either. No. Like, what else looks like? I mean, I'm going to guess Norman Smiley and Chavo Guerrero because, you know. I... I'm going to guess Eddie versus Ray. One-on-one Eddie versus Ray. I'd say Kidman for the belt. Do that again. Well, I'm thinking like an LWO anger sort of thing. Maybe. One final battle. I don't know. You know what actually we probably will get, considering how it ends, is our mm-hmm. next match, which is Wrath versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Ugh, we actually, you think we're going to get this again? Probably. Ugh. Wrath comes out and cuts a promo, and I'm like, you talk? True. He says he's been dominating for six months, and he's lacking competition. Didn't you just lose to Kevin Nash? Come yeah, on, he like just lost. Yeah. So Bam Bam Bigelow answers the challenge. And still coming down to no music, which I still dislike. I think he'll, he'll eventually get music, I assume. Eventually. This is meant to be a big boy match, but it's just so punch kicky that it's just mm-hmm. even like it's it's not fun. Yeah, this is the match where I like wrote in my notes, this is boring, I'm bored, I've been bored for a while. Oh god. I don't know what to make of it that Bischoff finally talks during this match. True, yeah. This is when he decides to start talking some shit. Yeah, he calls Goldberg jailbait, which I think he means jailbird, because yeah, jailbait is something different. Like very, very different. <laughs> and he also calls Goldberg a prison punk. Prison punk. But, like, just no context. Just It's all he's saying. Just, yeah, just mm, those words. Jailbird. Being so pouty. Prison punk. Such a pouty little little teenage boy. Yeah, I wrote very strike-heavy match, frowny face. Frowny face. I put a frowny face. <laughs> and when in doubt, do strikes and kicks on the outside. Around the outside. I honestly think like 10% of this match takes place in the ring. If that. That's generous. That could be very generous. Yeah, because I think that they will make the the match more interesting if they just, like, walk around and hit each other. Yeah, because the ref is also trying to get them in the ring as opposed to just counting them out. Yeah. So when you said it was, like, a dual count out that this ended, I was like, I didn't, what? I didn't hear a count. Well, 
Bigelow tosses Wrath in the ring and then tosses a chair in there. The ref goes to remove the chair, which distracts Bam Bam Bigelow. And then Wrath clotheslines him to the outside. And I'm like, fuck, we're going back here? <laughs> we just got back in. Now we're going back out? Bigelow goes for a chair shot, but misses. And then they just brawl up the aisle and the ref throws it out. This was not like a hot brawl. Like, oh my God, they're like, they, they won't stop fighting. It's right. just like punch, punch. And then they just like fight all the way to like through the, like through, through the stage kind yeah, of entrance. Through the ramp. It was so nothing. I kind of assume we're going to get this again in some sort of capacity. I mean, this is the, this is the setup for another match. Just depends on when that match is. Okay. Like the way, the way you're booking this, this is for another match. It was just so boring. I hope that whatever comes of that next is better. We then go backstage again to Miss Elizabeth. And they cross-examine her and the cracks just keep forming. And I honestly, I don't know if it's worse that Liz can't keep a very simple story straight. Or that the cops are taking this long to figure it out. I think it's on the cops. Because, like, why would you waste your time this long in, like... Like I said, all you have to do is cross-check who wears red tights, and if it's not Goldberg... Yeah, but Liz should also know he wears black tights. He owns this gym. It's a Coke machine. <laughs> or it's a water... I mean, like, even... I guess that's a little more like, okay, you fucked up, versus, yeah. like, what does Goldberg wear? Yeah. I think this is just showing Liz doesn't watch WCW. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, they basically call her out on the fact that she's lying, and, like, you know, perjury is a serious offense... And she kind of sticks with it. And then they go to leave. And she's like, you know what? I, I I was mistaken. And just retracts the whole thing. And I'm like, "You? that's still. That's that's, that's still perjury. So they had. She, she So she has a line. And I'll let you deliver it. Because I believe it's something you've said plenty of times about, about the show. Miss <laughs> Elizabeth says, oh, all these bald wrestlers just look the same, you know? There's a lot of these bald headed wrestlers around. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm with you, Miss Elizabeth. Same, dude. She said that they just stared you down for like five minutes. And I'm like. Look, she and I are not so different. Yeah. So Goldberg should be in the clear. Should be. Well, we, we can't check in on him. We have to, you know, have, have, have the Nitro Girls come out. Of course. Top priority. And then we go to commentary. And Bischoff is still being pouty. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it will be Hogan and Nash tonight. And the Goldberg match will happen afterwards. Yeah. That's what they said. That's that's that. So let's check in on... Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. We're not going to check in on him yet for some reason. <laughs> First, we have to do Brian Adams with Vincent versus DDP. Again, priorities. Brian Adams. Is he a hunk? No. What? No. What if he had face tattoos? Even more no. I, I've also showed you Brian Adams as Crush, and I believe you said he yeah, was Yeah, still not, no. Yeah. Still, no. Do you know he once had a WrestleMania match against Macho Man Randy Savage? Really? So DDP tries to vault to the outside on top of Vincent and Brian Adams. And Adams is just out of position like five times. Mm. He's just not looking at him. I think DDP eventually just goes, I'm going to do it and you're going to catch me. Because I guess whatever you're doing, you have a plan. Yeah. Nobody got horribly injured in this match. So I guess there's that. We get a low blow from Adams, followed by a really quick, lame-looking pile driver. Yeah. They just, they just kind of, like, crumple into a ball. It's just sad, because, like, Brian Adams does not look like wrestling is his calling in this match. He's been wrestling for a while, too. I know. 
on commentary, they note that Goldberg's have to fight through traffic to get here. Goldberg is going to have to fight through traffic? To get across the street. Is this Frogger? <laughs> no, but I want to see that. <laughs> After that, we get Emily's favorite spot. We get a bear hug. I hate the bear hug. I hate the bear hug so much. It's a long bear hug, too. Yeah. Sure. In a nothing match, a bear hug will kill the audience even more than it's already been killed. Like I have said before on this podcast, the bear hug is the worst move in wrestling, period. It is not showy. It does not do anything for either wrestler. You tell me that it, yeah, okay, it wears them down because it's squeezing life out of them, whatever. What? It's a hug. Like, you're not hurting. Like, it doesn't look good. And the whole point of WWE, WCW, wrestling like this is to be showy. This isn't MMA. This isn't something like that where your whole point is to knock them out. This is to put on a good show. And a bear hug? Don't do that. I want to see somebody in MMA break out a bear hug. They'd be laughed at. Also, I think I just found your nightmare spot. Oh, God. Booker T does a, a taunting spinneroonie and gets caught with a bear hug. Should we turn off that match? Well, Adams does hit a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker afterwards. DDP manages to hit his jumping DDT followed by a discus lariat. And I noted that this is going way too long. Mm. He then hits what looked kind of bad in the initial angle. It's a diving diamond cutter. Yeah, it looked bad. And it looks sloppy. It looks bad because on the way down, Brian Adams takes the entire bump on his knees like way too early. Like like it almost looks like a bulldog to a certain degree. Mm. But then then they they, like turn the camera around. Yeah, they slow it down in the replays. And I'm like, okay, well, you know. DDP executed that right. It looked better in slow-mo, but just... Brad Adams just took it wrong. Yeah, he's not good. good. <laughs> at this point, at least. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe maybe this isn't for you anymore. Maybe hang up at the boots, my guy. No, he needs to form Chronic first. Uh... It's him and Raph. I remember. You remind me every time. So we now go to the police station, and Goldberg is still there. And he wants to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. They're like, all right, she dropped all her stuff, so you're good to go. We're going to give you a ride. Back to uh, back across the street to the dome. We then go to commercial. Okay, so at this point, we looked up how far the Georgia Dome was from the CNN Atlanta Police Center. Yes, and, you know, he could probably get, I mean, I guess there is a dedicated entrance for... The, for the wrestlers, but it's it, it's basically as short as less than half a mile. Yes. It's like a maybe a 10-minute walk. Yeah, it's like a two-minute drive. Yeah. And they go to commercial. Yes. Like, as they're walking out the door. Yeah, so you would, in your kayfabe brain, Goldberg is leaving the precinct, getting in a car, and driving across the street, a two-minute drive to get to the dome. They are cutting to commercial. They're going to have to do entrances. There should be ample time for Goldberg to get there. Ample time. Plus, we get Michael Buffer. There should be plenty of time. So it is Michael Buffer time for our main event. World Heavyweight Champion Kevin Nash versus Hollywood Hogan. Oh, God. I wrote that Emily has no idea what's about to happen. I'm getting angry already. Hogan is out first with Scott Steiner. 
Kevin Nash comes out next with no one at first, but then motions of the ramp and out wanders Scott Hall in a Wolfpack shirt. Mm-hmm. They give each other a big hug and go on down to the ring. The bell rings. Hogan and Nash posture for a bit. Nash pushes Hogan. Hogan winds up to punch Nash, but then pokes him in the chest. Nash takes a bump onto the ground. Hogan pins him. One, two, three. New heavyweight champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. I wrote, you can fuck right off. This is what they chose to put against Mick Foley, the man who is achieving his childhood dream of being a wrestling champion, a WWEF champion, that this is what they are putting against him winning that. This. This finger poke. Hulk Hogan being a dick. That's what they put against Mick Foley being great. This is disgusting. This is insulting. This is... Every wrestling fan who watched this live should be demanding their money back from WCW. This is insultingly horror. This is awful. What do you think the guys in the Nitro Party were thinking about this? They were blackout. They have no idea what happened. So the four men... So in the ring, the four men embrace... Goldberg is now arriving. He's outside. Like, the car pulls up. He had, like, 20 minutes to get there. Maybe not that much, but... It was a long time. (sighs) Goldberg comes out and fights off the three, but Hogan hits him with two belt shots. And by belt shots, I mean it's a Hulk Hogan weapon shot, so he just kind of holds it and runs into you. It's... It's every weapon. He doesn't know how to use them. I don't know why. Swing something. The worst part about this segment, too, is they're all laughing about it. Yeah. They're laughing about it in the middle of the ring. They're laughing about how they duped their audience, how they got them. Yeah, and Bischoff is now fully talking and Uh. is mocking Goldberg and by extension the fans. And I think, honestly, like, that's what makes it even worse. Yeah, he's mocking the fans. So, in uh, another Yete tie-in, similar to that, Lex Luger comes down to help the babyface, only to blindside Goldberg and, you know, turn heel with the rest of them. The five-plus buff Bagwell comes down to help him down, and Liz comes down with him. It just keeps happening, and it's just... If I was watching this live, this would be enough for me to be like, I am not watching WCW for a long while. Fuck you guys. They handcuff him to the ropes and tase him. Hogan then spray paints him with red spray paint NWO for life. They spray the belt. And that's the show. The thing that you pointed out to me, though, which is just like chef's kiss beauty. This ran over. And in the commentary, they did note, we'll stay with this match as long as it takes because we are live. Yes. So anybody... Anybody who was watching the Mick Foley thing who then changed the channel over... When that show ended... Would have caught... This. This. Ooh. <sighs> it's just insulting. It's... Oh, my God. What do you say? Let's uh, let's do Best Bits and MVP. Take a little break and we'll come back for Raw. <laughs> best Bits. <laughs> What's your best bit, Nick? My best bit is actually Horace Hogan versus Chris Benoit. Oh, yeah? Right. I was pleasantly surprised by that match. And I remember thinking at the start of the Cruiserweight match, I'm like, this is going to be my best bit. And then Psychosis pissed me off so much that I couldn't give it to that match. 
That's fair. That's fair, yeah. What is yours? I said it was pouty Eric Bischoff throughout because, like, it did have its moments where it made me laugh and it was kind of, it was kind of great, but it also got annoying. So I'm just going to give it to him. Okay. It was a pretty bad episode. So that's, if it made me laugh, I'm going to take it. MVP? I gave my MVP to Goldberg because that man came into that arena and wanted to punch some bitches. He didn't want to fuck around with the NWO. Oh. He was there to fight. And that's what he was going to do, damn it. There is a slight continuation of this, which they show on Thunder, which is Goldberg getting up, being pissed off, and challenging Kevin Nash to a fight. Ugh. Uh, and then, like, the Atlanta Falcons come out as Goldberg's backup because oh, yeah. he was... He was kind of a Falcon. Yeah, and they were in Atlanta. I don't know whether maybe that'll lead to a sold-out match. Ugh. I don't even want to watch it. I don't want to watch sold-out. I wonder what the numbers are for sold out. Probably low. <sighs> after this, yeah. You may be struggling to fill any kind of stadium after this. You're not going to like my MVP. Who's your MVP? Uh, remember that cop who was a friend of Goldberg's? Joe? Joe, Joe <laughs> the cop is my MVP. Why? You know, I'm assuming he was a real cop and he did a decent acting performance and also had the presence of mind to be like, oh shit. I need to turn down my walkie. Oh, my God. But he was a serviceable actor. I'm assuming he was not. He added some heart. He humanized Goldberg. Sure. Okay. I, brought yeah, him in no. peacefully. Yeah, no. <laughs> but all right. I'm giving it to Joe the cop. Whatever you say, babe. If you make me pick a wrestler, it would be Horace Hogan for the suicide uh, dive. But I'm giving it to Joe the cop. I'm so angry. My MVP is Beedrill. Beedrill. <laughs> Oh, God, we're losing our minds. Um, Fuck that. That's what I have to say about that. Fuck that. Yeah, we'll talk about, we'll talk a little bit more about the comparison of the shows uh, at the end of Raw. But for right now, we're going to take a little break and come back with Monday Night Raw. We come back from our Jeopardy music, which is a wrestling tie-in because Alex Trebek was at WrestleMania 7. That's true. And actually interviewed Brian Adams' crush. There's our full uh, tie-in to the podcast, too. But we got drinks, took a little break, took a walk around the apartment, cooling down. Let's talk about Raw. Let's talk about the January 4th, 1999, Monday Night Raw. You excited for one of the only Raws we're going to be watching during this podcast? Yeah, I mean, like, this is my first Raw. I think the next Raw I have scheduled is, uh, like, March 26, 2001. It's the simulcast Raw. Oh, yeah. I think it's the only one I can think of. Do we wait? Wait, did you lie? Have you seen that Raw? I thought we watched that one. Which Raw? The simulcast, when they buy, when spoilers, they buy WCW. Did we watch the full episode of that? I don't remember. I think we just watched segments of that. So, this Raw doesn't start off 
the way a normal Raw does. We get a video package for Shawn Michaels like he's died or something. Yeah, it's like a recap of his life and career. Yeah, he was fired as commissioner last week, and it's like, man, what a great run he had. You see he's currently in the middle of like a four-year retirement because of his back. Mm -hmm. But like in the middle of this like nice sentimental, you know, I will remember you sort of thing. Vince just comes out and is like, cut the sentimental crap. Yeah, he's like, cut it off. Cut it off. <laughs> and that's our Vince McMahon impression. I did, I did, lo- I just love the phrase, get it off the Titantron. I'm like, oh my god, there's a Titantron? <laughs> oh, yes. There's a big screen. <laughs> it's weird that Vince doesn't have music yet. Yeah. Because the theme he ends up having that everyone knows is the theme for the Royal Rumble that's coming up. That makes sense. And then he just kind of takes that. I don't know when he actually takes it, because I know he actually wrestles on pay-per-view in in February. Hmm. So I don't know if he has it then yet, but that's what he ends up with. It makes sense. Which is funny. People think that's like one of the greatest, like, oh, this works so well for the character. It's a great theme. And it's like... It wasn't made for him. It's a pay-per-view theme. Yeah. What it lacks in music, this entrance makes up for an asshole chance. (laughs) But yeah, him and the entire corporation come to the ring. Yeah, so he came out with a bunch of guys, and I was, I think, able to clock all of them. Uh, let's see if you can do it. All right, I had The Rock, Bossman, Test, Kane, Ken Shamrock, Briscoe. I know Patterson was there, I just didn't see him, and Shane McMahon. You missed the Briscoe Brothers body shop sign on Kane's back, though. Oh, you're right. Which takes there for way too long. I don't get that. It's just meant to be like a, a prank and also like, yeah, we, we have control of Kane. Oh, Kane. Save it. <laughs> so Vince says anyone involved in the emotional scarring of Shane will pay. The emotional scarring. Emotional scarring my ass. Yes, he had Mr. Sacco put on him two weeks ago. You're like a 30-year-old man. You'll be all right. And then on the Titantron, it shows HBK walking through backstage. And oh my God, they actually see it. They actually see it and they acknowledge it. And they interact. It's like, oh my God. As opposed to Eric Bischoff just cutting a promo and Flair and the Horsemen are killing everybody backstage. Like, oh my god, I'm the best. Yeah. It's like, dude, look somewhere. Turn around. And I think I have to ask you now, because he comes out. HBK's theme. Does it slap? Does Sexy Boy slap? Yes. Of course Sexy Boy slaps. What kind of a question is that? I just wanted to ask. Sexy Boy I wanted to make sure it slaps and isn't a bop or a jam. No, Sexy Boy slaps. Okay. So Sean says the sheriff is back in town and then brings out DX. Ugh, I hate DX. Basically, this is the Triple H-led iteration. Because there's the Shawn Michaels-led one, which is basically three people. Yeah. Four if you want to count Rick Rude, which everyone forgets about. Yeah. Then you get this one, which is Triple H, China, X-Pac, Billy Gunn, and Road Dog. Then we eventually get um, Midlife Crisis. DX of Triple H and Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and then we get a spinoff of that that has Hornswoggle. No. The only thing I don't hate about DX is when the Road Dog and Billy Gunn are tag team champions. When Road Dog comes out and he's like, it's me, it's me, it's D-O-double-G, the Road Dog, that one. He does that every time. No, he goes like, the Road Dog, Jesse J, the badass James. Billy Gunn. It's, it's not It's not Jay, it's James. The Road Dog, Jesse James, the badass Billy Gunn, the tag team champions of the world, like they, that. They also do that every time. They do time. that every time? So they do that every time, depending on whether or not they're the current champions or if they're not. They either say current or like three-time 
tag team champions of the world. Really? Oh, I thought that was just when they were the champions. It's kind of like how New Day also. It's a New Day. Yes, it is. Well, before that, when Big E does his whole. Yeah. And then. I just like that. Yeah, but that's just. That's just the New Age Outlaws. That has nothing to do with DX. Okay, so I like the New Age Outlaws. <laughs> I like Road Dog. How do you feel about uh, him and K-Quick? Get rowdy! That's a big ol' no. Don't talk to me about the invasion. We're not there yet. We don't have to talk about it. That's not even really an invasion. D- don't talk to me about the invasion. That's kind of the invasion. No, that's that, that's pre-invasion. That's like late really? 2000. Ugh. Yeah, because Road Dog's gone about the invasion. Ugh. So, back in the promo, Shawn Michaels notes that his commissioner contract is apparently ironclad. He cannot be fired. He can only resign. And he's not resigning anytime soon. <laughs> well, okay, he says there's not, no way in hell he's resigning. He's not resigning on this show. He says there's no way in hell he is resigning. As commissioner, he has power over all the wrestlers except Stone Cold Steve Austin for some reason. Yeah, why? I am assuming that's explained in other weeks. We're not watching week to week on this. I'm a little more like, oh, I'll accept it. I'm sure there's a reason for that. Because Vince entered himself into the Royal Rumble as number 30, Vince is now a wrestler. So, Shawn Michaels makes him the second entrant in the Royal Rumble. With the first entrant being Stone Cold Steve Austin. So they are now the first two entrants, and Austin will have... He has 90 seconds to do whatever he wants before number three comes out. I mean, ideally, that should be very simple, correct? Just be, get him out. should be so simple. Well, also, you would think number three would be somebody that, like, you know, Vince put there to, like, help him out. Yeah, who's number three? Somebody. Oh. <laughs> Golga, maybe? Who? Gazundite? Yeah, Golga. That that, that that rumble is an interesting one. We're gonna uh, we're not gonna be reviewing that. But Michael's notes before he leaves, he is going to go get a surprise, and it's gonna drive Vince stone cold crazy. Gee, I wonder what he might be getting. You guessed it. It's the Shockmaster. <laughs> oh my god. He then says, "Hit our music," and the DX music plays. So yeah, he's apparently now part of DX. Okay. Which is like a iteration that's like not a thing. So like I say that I hate DX. I keep like trying to fix how I feel about DX. You don't like X-Pac. Exactly. I don't hate DX. I hate X-Pac. And X-Pac is DX to me. And you hate the DX entrance. I do hate the entrance. Which we'll talk about. The seizure entrance. I hate it. But I mostly hate X-Pac. So we then get introduced to our commentators for the night, which are Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler. The King. No Jim Ross tonight he is currently recovering from a bell's palsy episode mm. he's not back for another couple of months because he'll call the main event of wrestlemania and then i don't even know if he's back the next night or if he takes even a little bit longer mm. but cole is still very new here and it shows it does show he's kind of annoying he's but, hard to listen to but we get our first wwf match of the podcast we get Ken Shamrock versus Steve Blackman. I love Steve Blackman. I've missed him. I love being able to hear the ring announcer. That's true. I like. Just, it's, it's beautiful great. because you can hear the ring announcer. You can hear all the stipulations for that match. Did you know this match was a 20 minute time limit? The ring announcer did say yes, so. Yes, which is occasionally nice to have and just like a, 
let's just sprinkle these throughout. That way, if we ever do want to do a draw like that, mm-hmm. it makes sense. As opposed to the one match where it's like, oh, it's suddenly a draw. Yeah. I'm like, what? It's just nice to know exactly what you're getting before you go in, you know? Ken Shamrock's got two belts. Kenny two belts over here. Bailey dose strap. Bailey dose straps. Kenny dose straps. It was so bad, but she knew what she was doing. She wanted it to be bad. Exactly. Bailey's amazing. Yeah. Ken Shamrock fucking Intercontinental and Tag Team Champion. Look at just, him. Killing. He, man, Ken Shamrock could have been so much of a bigger deal. Yeah, what happened to him? Do you know? He just, I don't know. They just, his contract was up. They didn't renew it. He doesn't go to WCW. He just... Yeah, he might go back to doing MMA a little bit, but he just kind of vanishes. He did recently go into the uh, TNA Impact Hall of Fame. Do you know who inducted him? Who? The Rock. In the TNA Impact Hall of Fame? Yeah. Interesting. Because I've actually showed you one of those matches of um, Ken Shamrock versus The Rock. He was at WrestleMania where Ken loses his mind and attacks all the refs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... Ken tweeted at him and was like, hey, can you like send in a video just doing a little induction? Like, most fun I had in my career was like wrestling. It was like, Aww. you know, our feud. So like, oh, okay. So TNA Impact or whatever they're called now because they're think, fucking name changes every three weeks. Got The Rock in like 2019, 2020. Really? <laughs> it wow. Is it a pre-recorded thing? But they got him. That's lovely. I like that. We need to take a second and talk about how different the overall look to this show is. Yeah. So we noticed that it was like more grainy. It's like grittier. Grittier. Yeah. I like the look better, but maybe it's because I'm partially used to it. But the camera quality isn't as good, but the camera work is better. Definitely. Yeah. So. It also might be nostalgia for you too. To a certain degree. But I don't know. It's just a. Sometimes things look too clear. Like, I also, funnily enough, when they went to HD, I'm like, this looks too clear. I don't like it. <laughs> You're just a boomer stuck in a millennial's body. Well, sometimes you kind of don't want to see how crisp everything oh, looks. Oh, no, you're right. Especially in wrestling. You're right. So we're not going to go blow by blow on most of these matches no. because we're not staying with these guys. I mean, the next time we'll see them will be in a couple months at WrestleMania. But It'll mostly just be comparing product versus product. Yeah. Like, these wrestlers are doing what versus what WCW wrestlers are doing. Yeah, because early on we get Dan Severn coming out. Or as Michael Cole calls him, Dan Severn, which is not his name. No, Dan Severn. Like the river. Yes. You had no idea who Dan Severn was. Not a clue. He is a former like UFC kind of guy. Like, very similar background to Ken Shamrock. He came in, I want to say in 98, and was like NWA champion and had like three or four belts with him. And they just didn't do much with him, so he never really became a big star in WWF. Sweetest guy in the world, apparently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. But he comes out in a neck brace. Oof. Shamrock hits a belly-to-belly and then taunts Severn from the, on the outside. Severn then gets on the apron, but Shamrock punches him off. When Severn gets back on the apron, the ref goes to try to get him down, and then Billy Gunn just like suddenly like slides into the ring, hits a famous on yeah. Shamrock, and then Blackman gets the pin. Billy Gunn, what happened to you? You were so wonderful once. We mentioned how we're watching, uh, you know, 2002 Smackdown. We just got to the wedding. The wedding of Billy and Chuck. Spoilers. No, we're never going to actually review that on this podcast. (laughs) Oh, my God. Billy Gunn, you're about to be king of the ring, my guy. Yeah, he's only a few few months away. Ugh. 
Anyway. Yeah, the the match was mainly about the interference. Yeah, but I have missed watching Blackman. I love Steve Blackman. Yeah, he's he's still very nothing here too. Yeah, but he's still my boy. He's a lot of fun to watch later on, and it's just it's nice to see somebody fun. To like watch. head cheese era. Even like right before head cheese, when he's like real nunchucky. It's fun. party time. Yeah. You want party time era, Steve I Blackman? I miss him. So commentary then. Starts talking about Rock and Vince being on the cover of Southwest Airlines Spirit Magazine. <laughs> and they talk about this a couple times tonight. Don't be confused. This is not a magazine you can go buy at a ma- at a store. This is in the pocket of the chair in front of you if you fly on Southwest Airlines. I Okay, magazines aren't really a thing anymore. You telling me you don't think you could actually buy them anywhere? Not the airline ones. I don't think so. It wouldn't shock me. Maybe you can, like, subscribe to them or something. I don't know. I never saw them anywhere other than in a plane. I wasn't looking for them anywhere, though. Yeah. This was 99. I wasn't really reading well, magazines. I, when I was a kid, my family flew a lot. So I spent a lot of time in airports, and, like, my dad would let us, like, go to the the um, the duty-free store and get, like, a book or something. And there were a lot of magazines there. So, like, I got that kind of experience to magazines. Back from commercial, we get a WWF Rewind, which is just a recap of the previous match finish. Backstage, Shamrock and Billy Gunn are just brawling until referees separate them. Which is refreshing. It's kind of nice that a referee actually has to come out and break them up instead of just like... The entire world security comes because... They're looking at each other. You looked at him. I saw you. That was a threatening look. I I do find it interesting that when this happens in WWF, it's referees and it's security for WCW. True. Is security and referee just kind of like one and the same in WWF? I'm guessing it's the fact that they're all contracted performers. So security should be there for like keeping the crowd and, you know, production separate. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You guys want to fight. That's your own business. Referees are like, you know, trying to look out for like the company. Yeah. Because they also, like, we're event staff, which I'm like, so that means you're, like, just here from the arena. I mean, yeah. Like, everybody in the yellow shirts in the audience, those are probably event staff. Yeah, but that's what they do in WCW. True, you're right. We get Mankind coming out next, and Commentary's kind of puzzled by this, because he's not scheduled for anything. And he doesn't have his music that we know. No, it comes out to his old music. It doesn't hit the same. No. Mankind says that it's been a crazy couple of weeks. It's the first time he ever grabbed another man's testicles. <laughs> and in a rugged, manly sort of way, kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> he also said it was the first time he said suck it without the word please in front of it. <laughs> which the, the audience like popped big for. What a guy. What a guy, Mick Foley. I love you so much. He's the only one who got away with that. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. He also says that he has a new hobby. It's kicking the McMahon's family's asses. That's a fun hobby. I approve of that hobby. He wants a title shot at the Royal Rumble. He also acknowledges a couple of the Foley is God signs. He says he's not God, but he is pretty damn good. <laughs> he then asks, can I say ass on television? Get your ass out here, dad. Which I feel the need to explain the dad thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Because I just thought it was like a fun little joke. No, there is a partial reason for it. So... Rewind to the pay-per-view or two before Survivor Series back in November. Mick had been part of the corporation for a while and, yeah, had a weird relationship with Vince. Started, like, calling him dad. And Vince is like, 
you fell off the fucking hell in a cell. You're like killing yourself for us. Here's the hardcore championship, <laughs> which is how that debuts. Oh, okay. Oh, I did not realize. And so, yeah, just a weird relationship and just calling him dad. And then it's Survivor Series. Austin gets out in the first round due to like some screwiness. And so it's down to The Rock and Mankind for the WWF Championship, like in the final. Neither of them had ever won it before. Rock gets Mankind in the sharpshooter. And Vince calls for the bell, a la the Montreal Screwjob. Mm. And that was kind of a double turn for Rock turning heel, Mankind turning face. Okay. And so the dad is just a holdover from that. I don't know how long that stays for. Yeah, but... I don't know. Because like, he wasn't saying dad when we started our watch. No. Okay, I think when we started our watch, Vince McMahon was supposed to be gone forever, though. You're right. So Vince comes out and notes that the corporation is right behind him. So, you know, I'm not going to get, like, blindsided or anything. (laughs) Yeah, don't fuck with me. He calls Mankind a monster and claims that he's had opportunities before, but but he blew it. And he said he blew it because he listened to the fans and not to Vince. Which kind of ties into that Montreal screwdriver kind of thing. But, like, that's kind of... Mick Foley's whole shtick, like doing stuff for the crowd. Yeah, you know? he calls him pathetic he, for like doing it for the roar of the crowd. How's that pathetic? Come on. I think even Mick would be like, I probably did stuff like that a little too much. He was a sucker for the pop. He would do anything to make the audience happy. God bless that man. If you have not read Have a Nice Day, you need to read Have a Nice Day. It'll make you cry. Mick Foley is a wonderful, wonderful man. So. Vince then says Mankind doesn't deserve to be number one contender because he hasn't paid his dues yet. Yeah, what? Again, read Have a Nice Day. This man has paid his fucking dues. Oh, God. I'm just thinking about all the fucking death matches he talks about in that book. It's insane. Yeah. His time at New Japan is insane. So Vince says he's not going to get a shot at the Rumble, nor is he ever. But he will give him a shot at entering the Royal Rumble. He books Triple H versus Mankind, and the winner is in the Rumble. And Shane McMahon, who Mankind recently put Mr. Sacco on, is going to be the special ref. Which just seems like a fucky... This just this is not going to be a good match. Like, it's just going to be a fucky match. To close out the segment, one last thing. Have a nice day. It's like, oh my god, you <laughs> fucking evil prick. You're the monster, Vincent. We go backstage, and... Uh, China and her friend are talking. Her lady friend, quote unquote, lady woman. You pick, yeah, no. Yeah, you picked up on this quite, quite quick. It's the wig, dude. It's the wig. No female identifying person would wear a bad wig like that. Well, they're probably talking about the next matchup, which is sexual chocolate. Mark Henry Yay! versus that was terrible. Which is sexual chocolate. Mark Henry versus Gold Dust. You were upset about Goldust's entrance. This was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in wrestling, and I've seen a lot of disgusting things. This man came out and licked the rope. Licked the ring rope. Like, full-on, full-tongue, licked it. This man is... That's probably where COVID originated from, because... Ew. So commentary notes that Mark Henry is apparently smitten with China. Ugh. I'm still thinking about the rope leg. I'm sorry. Yeah. During Goldust entrance, confetti falls. And I'm like, well, that's going to be there the rest of the fucking day. (laughs) I should have checked the the main event. I'm like, is anybody covered in confetti yet? Mm. So as we mentioned, not going to call too many spots in these matches. But uh, Mark Henry hits a leg drop and goes for the pin, but gets distracted by China and her friend on the ramp. Her friend. 
Goldust then hits Shattered Dreams, and there's no bell, but it's a DQ. Shattered Dreams is rough. <laughs> Funnily enough, we had talked about Shattered Dreams at the Starcade episode. Yeah. As mentioned before, it's either a pin or a DQ. This week it's a DQ. It was a DQ, and they actually called it. They called Lobo a DQ here. Yeah, they called it, but the bell didn't ring for whatever reason. Although I did yeah. laugh at he gets DQ'd, hit his music. Yeah, that didn't make sense. I imagine that was just some PA hitting the wrong button. So China and her friend get in the ring. China kisses Mark on the cheek when helping him to his feet. And then confesses that the other night was incredible. And I'm like, you fucked? Marcus. She also says she's afraid she's not enough woman for him. Ugh. And then introduces Sammy. She offers up a threesome and Mark Henry faints. <laughs> Which is just realistic. <laughs> it was some great physical comedy for Mark Henry. We don't get the payoff for it on this episode, but the payoff of that is uh, Mark Henry getting a handful and going, Sweet Jesus, that's a penis. <laughs> that's a penis. <laughs> that is the payoff to this. I think we say, that's a penis around here a lot. I don't think I realized that's what it was from. <laughs> no, well, I think you're thinking of the How I Met Your Mother uh, building one. When oh, I am. I am. I am. I am. That's a penis. <laughs> That is the quality writing we can look forward to once uh, Vince Russo turns up and... Honestly, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm just saying, the words Viagra on a pole match don't mean anything to you right now, but they no. will. So speaking of things that don't get tied up on this episode, fucking somewhere, Dennis Knight is tied up in like a dungeon. Yeah, what? <laughs> so this is like right when they come back from commercial. So like... Which doesn't look like wrestling. So I imagine if you're just, if you were watching at the time, just like it could commercial happening, and then you're like, "What the fuck? Like, what 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 is what, what's on now? What, what channel got what, changed? What are they selling? What are they selling?" <laughs> and to add to the weirdness, I forget if it's right when they cut away or while it's still on screen. Godfather's theme, just the. So in about a minute of network time, they go from Mark Henry being offered a threesome. To death basement, doomsday basement, to the hoe train. Huh? I, I wouldn't say it's a train here. It's that's the idea, though. Like, yeah, there's the, Godfather the, and his hoes. Right there are after the four death women, basement. and as we mentioned, we're at the uh, the wedding episode of Billy and Chuck, and he brings like the, the entire city with him. Yeah, he's got like twenty some women with him. Like, man, this man got some street cred. Now he's got all the ladies. Did you know he actually owns a strip club? That does not surprise me. And I don't know if he still is, but do you know who was like the head of security for his strip club? Mark Henry? D'Lo Brown. Oh, really? That's amazing. That's at least what I've heard. D'Lo. So Godfather is out to face Test, who is like brand spanking new. Because they're still talking about him being a bodyguard for Motley Crue. Mm -hmm. And apparently Test is feuding with Val Venus. Godfather hits the hoe train, and then Val Venus appears on the ramp. Looking down just very ominously. Tess and Godfather brawl on the outside, and the ref's just like, nope, fuck it, we're done here. And then Val swarms Test, and they brawl up the ramp until the referees separate them. Mm. Which is, I think is basically what they were going for with Bam Bam Bigelow and Wrath. And yeah, this managed to have happen. just a little more fire. Yeah. Like, Val Venus actually has, like, pretty good fire. He's had a couple of these, like, out of nowhere, like, you need to have, like, a blood feud. And it's like, okay. Oh, you're right, you're right. 
So yeah, not a whole lot, although we did notice that there are a increasing number of non-finishes or this is interference. number two so far that has not had a finish. And the one that did was a interference yeah. finish. So there hasn't been a clean finish yet. No. Just keeping it in mind. Backstage, DX are just hanging out. Just chilling. Just dudes being bros. <laughs> cool guys being dudes. We get our Glover Slam of the Week, which is Mankind using Mr. Sacco on Shane two weeks ago. I don't know whether it was intentional or not that it was Glover and Mr. Sacco. I don't know, actually, because like with the boot of the week, it was always like a kick. No, it wasn't. I think it was a kick most of the time. <laughs> I'd say 50% at best. Really? Oh, I remember it being a kick. It was supposed to be. Half well, the time, it was like a choke slam. Yeah, boot well. of the week. <laughs> Well, <laughs> or like it was a promo segment and that was your boot of the week. Like, I'm sorry, what? Excuse me. But yeah, I did notice that the Glover person just looked like the hamburger helper hand. You know, I never played Glover. No, no. you have. You have an N64. Yeah. Buy the game. Let's play it. Yeah. Glover, I don't know people did us. play Glover. I think it was just like people were aware of Glover. Yeah. Our next match, which continues our uh, questionable finishes. Mm-hmm. We get Triple H versus Mankind with a rumble spot on the line. It's weird to see this in like a sudden match as opposed to like a pay-per-view main event or like. Yeah. Because like just think about any like Triple H versus Cactus Jack match. Like, I even showed you the one from like the Raw and MSG where it's the debut of Cactus Jack. And around that there's like cage matches. And now it's just like go off. I guess you guys yeah. have this match. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's strange that this is just like a middle of the card sort of match. Yeah, Shane comes out to kind of strange music. It's not "Here Comes the Money." He also does not do his dance when he comes out, Ugh, which good. you were happy about. Thank God, I hate that dance. It's stupid. We get the DX seizure entrance for Triple H. Ugh. It was bad. If you if somehow you've avoided it your entire life. So it's an overlaying video on top of the entrance, which is like constantly cutting. And even when it's the actual entrance over top of it is like a waveform kind of look. Mm-hmm. It's just like intersplicing. It's clips. meant to look like a cool music video. And instead it just looks. ah. It hurts. It just intersplices clips of other DX matches. I will note that it's slightly better here. Because there's not as much motion from Triple H. Like when Xbox comes out yeah. and does it and he's moving a bunch. Oh it's, my it's god, just that's the mess. worst. When he's doing like the crotch X. Oh, it's the worst. So Triple H is coming out in his long red tights. Is that who Miss Elizabeth was referring to? He has showed up at Nitro before. On a tank. It was a Jeep and they had a pipe sticking out of the back. So it was a tank. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and they like maintained his day. It was a tank. Like It was, it was not a tank. It was not a tank. It wasn't a tank. <laughs> Stop calling it a tank. So Shane goes over to commentary and is like, I'm going to call this right down the middle. Good luck with that. This match is an odd face versus face dynamic in that there's something very real on the line. And it's like, oh, I don't want either of these guys to lose and not be in the Rumble. Yeah, which is just frustrating because like, I do want both these people in the in the Rumble. They would both be good to watch. but It's pretty quick. Triple H ends up going for a sunset flip from the apron. But Mankind grabs the ropes to avoid it, an aloha Mankind. But <laughs> but Shane kicks his arms off the ropes and then fast counts him. Yeah. It's like bam, 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 so you're out. Triple H is going to the Rumble. Yeah. 
Triple H grabs a mic and he's like, listen, I'm sorry, but like business is business and I'll like, I'll take the win. You know, I, I want to get the title. Any way I and can, it, yeah. Which the business is business line has me speculating about later, but we'll talk about that when, when we get, we get there. there. yeah. But keep that in mind. But he does feel bad, so he gives Mankind a little gift. He's like, Happy New Year. And then Pedigree Shane. <laughs> Mankind then grabs the mic and is like, I'm going to show you a move that like Coach something taught me at like high school. And he gets Shane in this like shoulder lock and he's like, Shane, I'm going to break your fucking shoulder. I'm like, Mick. Mitchell. Mick Foley. Mrs. Foley's baby boy kisses mother with that mouth. Yeah, basically he's holding Shane hostage so that he can get his title shot. Yeah, he wants it tonight now. Yeah. And Vince comes out and agrees. And then we get a, it's not good enough, dad. <laughs> he also wants it to be no DQ. Vince agrees to that as well. And he tells The Rock he'll see him later. To which the rock is like the fuck. <laughs> yeah, they mankind exits like through the crowd, and then Vince, Patterson, and Briscoe go to get Shane. Rock comes out and is like, "What the fuck, dude? Like, I'm not even dressed to wrestle." And Vince is like, "You're the champion. Fucking fight him. All right, <laughs> do it. Figure it out." I love the like not re- not dressed to wrestle argument because like doesn't Ric Flair wrestle in like dress slacks and nice shoes most of the time like not most of the time but he does it a lot yeah well also it's funny because there's plenty of time in between now and the match and the rock stays in the attire he's in i don't know if this is ever confirmed or not but it's widely believed that he had surgery on his pecs and it was still kind of healing and so he didn't really want to be shirtless on tv that makes sense so so that's the story with that as potentially confirmed by John Cena in their feud in 2012. <laughs> Next up, we have two of your boys, although one of them is now too good to be a boy. He'll still be a boy in my heart. We get Edge versus D'Lo Brown. D'Lo with his bobbly head. Yeah, that, sh- oh, that shaky ah. head. That brought me back. I'm like, oh, I miss you, D'Lo. Oh, I love the shaky head. And Edge coming out through the crowd. So cute. Such a handsome man, that Edge. Apparently, D'Lo has been having issues with PMS. Same. The Pretty Mean Sisters, <laughs> which at this point is just a group of it's... Jacqueline and Terry Runnels. Yeah, but you said there's like more than that. Apparently, right? Ryan Shamrock, who is Ken Shamrock's kayfabe sister, shoot girlfriend. Oh, shit. And they eventually get Meat, who is, uh, is the wrestler Sean Stasiak. Yes, I know the name. He, You probably know him from The Invasion. He's one of those guys. He's the guy who actually caused major changes to The Invasion because they were supposed to interfere at WrestleMania 17. And he did an interview saying as much. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, no, we're not changing plans. Out. Now you're going to be up in like a skybox. I remember this, yeah. And then he spent the entire Invasion looking like an idiot. <laughs> but uh, he is the character Meat, which is... He's just there to be man meat for them to have sex with as they please. <laughs> okay, ladies, go off. Sure. Yeah. Men can have their women meet. Women can have theirs. Equality. So again, that's PMS. Vince Russo writing at its greatest. I'm so excited for this to come to WCW. Like, honestly, I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. So early on, Edge dives to the outside and 
dives, I feel like, is generous. Oh, he, like, flies. Yeah, because he goes over the top rope, but, like, it's like, Aah! Like, he doesn't feel great about clearing it no. as he's doing it. He managed to clear it, but it looks real sloppy. And I'm like, I don't think you're going to keep doing that. One, because you didn't do it well. Two, because you're going to get a push and you don't need to keep doing shit like that. <laughs> it's like watching Randy Orton in 2002. Where it's like, he's not doing a lot of this oh, stuff anymore. Oh, God, no. Randy you Orton become so much better. Randy Orton ain't doing no top rope cross bodies anymore. Ooh. But uh, Edge also still has his screaming gimmick. Which is just a very green thing apparently like new new people have like the screaming gimmick you said no i wouldn't say that this, this is just more for him it's like oh, oh. people are gonna think you're so mysterious people are gonna think he's gorgeous I think the only time the screaming gimmick has actually worked was um page had that for a little bit oh okay yeah. is christian in the company yet yes because he is also part of the brood i don't know why the rest of the brood isn't out with him tonight but oh, okay. the brood is gangrel edge and christian right now D'Lo hits a running powerbomb on Edge, but takes too long to get the pin, and Edge kicks out. Edge hits a top rope crossbody, and then PMS come down to the ring. And Cole notes that Terry is pregnant. And you would know that because this tall, skinny woman is holding her stomach. Excessively. Excessively. Any woman with, like, an ounce of fat on her stomach can just, like, hold her stomach in the right way. Trick people into thinking that they're pregnant. Just reminds me of a late season of Game of Thrones where Tyrion's talking to Cersei. And she's like aggressively touching her belly. Exactly. Like, Are you pregnant? It's like, how did you know that? <laughs> it's like, well. Exactly. So Edge goes for another top rope crossbody, but D'Lo catches him midair with a spine buster, which was a nice spot, but is kind of overshadowed by the fact that Terry gets on the apron. D'Lo takes like two steps towards her, like just doesn't touch her, doesn't go just kind of like, anything. what are you doing here? And then she backs up and falls off the steps and is like clutching her stomach and is like, oh my god, my baby. And it's like, Terry does good acting here because I'm thoroughly yeah. uncomfortable from this. Good. I mean, yeah, it's one of those spots that you're supposed to be uncomfortable, but yeah, but I don't, also... I don't need this in my wrestling show. You're right. You're absolutely right. This needs to be in like you know Grey's Anatomy. This kind of acting. Yeah, and they're like, oh my god, she's several months pregnant. And I'm like. You sure about that? They stretch your Terry off and then go to commercial. Mm-hmm. When we come back, there's a doctor looking over Terry, and he's just not a good actor and doesn't enunciate. Cause I think he's saying that he like can't hear anything in terms of a heartbeat, but he just kind of mumbles his lines. I don't know what he was trying to get yeah, across. Something along those lines, yeah. They also talk about how they don't know who the father is slash was, because oh. this is the end of the pregnancy portion of this angle. They are now basically going to guilt D'Lo into doing their bidding. I thought D'Lo was the father. I thought that was the whole reason for this interference. Yeah, it's kind of a messy story of Terry Runnels was with Goldust in kayfabe and in real life. Mm-hmm. I don't know when they divorced in real life, but then there was a whole story with her sleeping with Val Venus and Val and uh, Goldust feuded. Actually, it might have even been Dustin Runnels at, at that point. Mm. Because I think, it, 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 I think that feud results in him becoming Goldust again. And then Terry gets pregnant. It's like, we're pregnant. Val's like, no, we're not anything. The big <laughs> Valboski got a vasectomy. <laughs> Good. Like, that's responsible. Yeah. Especially if you're in the porn industry. Like, yeah, just be safe. Oh, yeah. Just if, don't don't even, like, tempt fate like that. You know, I just realized we didn't get a Val Venus sexy promo. Oh, that's a shame. Hello, ladies. So, yeah, somehow D'Lo and Mark Henry get involved in this. and. Ugh. I don't even know if they had a plan for who the father was going to be because they're like, oh, the baby's not going to happen, so we don't have to worry right. about this. They probably haven't. They probably didn't give it that much thought. 
think we need a palate cleanser after that. Yeah. Which we get because Kane comes out with the Stooges and Shane. Commentary is unsure why the hell they're out here. Shane announces it's going to be a handicap match. It's going to be Kane versus Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. And they're like, what the fuck? No. The turn of the century. Vince then comes out and is like, oh, I did say anybody involved in traumatizing Shane. And I guess they didn't fight off Mick well enough. So I guess, yeah. they are now partially responsible. Ugh. So Kane's going to kill them, basically. Yeah. Uh, Briscoe offers Kane money. He turns that down. Patterson offers him cigarettes. He turns that down. So Patterson offers him a condom. condom. Like, what? Yeah, I don't know what the... uh... What was the thought process? Kane chokeslams Briscoe. Then Patterson brings in a chair. And it looks like he's going to hit Kane with it. But then he's like, oh, shit. So he sets it up. Kane then punts this thing out of existence. <laughs> this chair. It goes out of camera. It doesn't make any vaporized. noise either. It it's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> this chair does not exist on this earth anymore. It is gone. He then choke slams Patterson and then like low blows both for good measure while they're on the ground. <laughs> he then goes to choke slam Shane, but Vince is still on the ramp and he's like, hey, listen, if you choke slam Shane, I'm sending you back to the insane asylum. Where, which that's where it got me. Yeah. Because. The insane asylum? Pardon? That's not in the lore. The That's lo- not in sorry, the good book. The lore? Book. The lore. What is the lore, Emily? Oh, I'll tell you about the lore. About a year ago, Nick bought me this book. It's a book called Journey into Darkness and had me read it. This book is all about Cain. Is and the author, WWE authorized history of Cain. It's from his youth to where he started wrestling where he got into wwf it's the whole story and nowhere in that story is there an insane asylum i read this whole book cover to cover there is no insane asylum in this book i think this is meant to be more recently because that book basically ends at wrestlemania 14 and this seems i think this is a more recent development I hope so, because I did not read that whole book for the lore to not be followed. Anytime that it is not followed, like, Kane is not supposed to feel pain. So anytime he takes a bump and sells, I'm like, no, you're not supposed to have felt that. Anytime he's, like, threatened to be caught on fire, like, bud, you can't feel the fire. You're fine. The I'm going to send you back to the insane asylum just reminds me of one of the funniest lines I've ever heard in wrestling that I don't think was supposed to be funny. It's from TNA. It's basically a discount war games match. And AJ Styles and a character called Abyss are on a team. Abyss is basically knockoff game. Okay. It's just in a simplified form. And he has like a, I'd say a Paul Bearer type character with him. He's The guy's a little more devil-like. And I don't, I don't know the context of this, which I think makes it funnier. The line is basically, and AJ, if you get the title shot, then Abyss's mother goes to prison. What? <laughs> like, wait, what? Pardon? It's, I don't know. I need the context. <laughs> but, like, also, Kane is never shown as insane. He's never shown as mentally unstable in the book. He's not insane. He actually eliminates himself from the upcoming Royal Rumble because the White Coats chase after him. He's not insane. 
There's definitely some issues going on there. Sure, there are some issues, but it's not insanity. He is stable mentally. Maybe be very depressed and have some PTSD, but he's not insane. So Ugh. Vince declares Kane the winner without him pinning or doing anything. Yeah. He's like, all right. Let, although, then again, is this is this a non-finish? Maybe, but Kane won. You know what I mean? It's like he, him pinning them would have been academic. Yeah, but I feel like we are at one pin this whole match, or this whole show. One clean pin. No, none, because... So we're still at none. Yeah, so we are... I don't even know how many matches in, but we've had no fully clean finishes. This is maybe the closest as we've gotten, but, I mean, again, he doesn't pin anybody. No. If there was a bell ring, if there was some a ref, then yeah, that would be it, but no. After Kane's declared the winner, him and Shane walk up the ramp, and Shane's like, you don't do that to me. Come on. <laughs> and then Shane and Vince hug to end the segment. Oh. It's a wholesome father-son moment. So back from commercial, we go back to Dennis Knight still dying somewhere. But then two mysterious figures come get him. You see who it was? No, I didn't see. Oh, it's the Acolytes. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. You can tell from Ron Simmons' voice. That voice is so very clearly him. <laughs> we then are supposed to just casually transition to Al Snow versus Road Dog. In a hardcore title match. My boy Al Snow. We haven't seen Al Snow in so long. He's been doing tough enough. We haven't seen Al Snow in so long. Yeah, this this Al is a little different than we remember, though. I like this Al. He's psychotic. Oh, my God. <laughs> Apparently, Al is still covered in blood from two weeks ago. The man does not bathe. Yeah, they're saying he hasn't bathed. He then lays out head as, like, a trap on the, on the stage <laughs> and, like... Backs up like through like a like a curtain kind of underneath yeah. the titantron. He like crawls. It works. That's it's the saddest great. thing. But you can. I'd like to point out how you can prove that this is not real blood on his shirt. Real blood turns brown after time on clothing. Okay, fair. That was still stark red. It was fake. No. <laughs> so he's covered in blood from. Actually, the more I'm thinking about this, that may actually be the same shirt. Ew. Because it wasn't blood. It was the red viscous liquid that drops from the oh! ceiling. Because he got hit, got hit by a bloodbath from the, the, the brood. The red viscous liquid. Oh, then of course it can be red. Yeah, so I'm wondering. I'm like, ooh, is that actually the same shirt? <laughs> yeah, Road Dog comes out and then Al blindsides him. Actually, I have a couple spots from this we're going to talk about. So We don't get the Road Dog self-intro, though. No, we do get Road Dog just chucking a chair into Al Snow's face. Yeah. When Al Snow's jumping off the apron. Al hits a jumping leg lariat off the chair. He then sets up a table and lays Road Dog across. He tries for a moonsault off the barricade, but Road Dog moves and Al just crashes right through. We get three cookie sheet shots from Road Dog and bending it back in between yeah. the shots. So he'll hit Al Snow with the cookie sheet, bend it back into place, hit him with it again, bend it back into place. It was great. They then brawl up the aisle and try to head towards backstage, oh but stop. In a slight production area. Yes. Just like around all these like camera cases and light cases. There's somebody with a sounder lighting board kind of in that area doing something. And it feels like he's actually doing it because he does not. He's like, I got to stay in this spot. any attention. <laughs> Road Dog hip tosses Al through a table and then hits a diving axe handle off like the third step of this little set of stairs that goes up onto the stage. Like it wasn't that high. It wasn't impressive. No. 
They then brawl further into the actual backstage area. A cop moves so Al can choke Road Dog with a hose. And I'm like, buddy. Cop is going to let it happen. He then smashes him with a box of toilet paper, which explodes everywhere. Which, again, in 2020, that is worth so much money. That is currency. Al then breaks a broom over Road Dog's back, followed up by smashing, like, planters mm-hmm. over Road Dog's head. Jesus. Road Dog Irish whips Al into some kegs, and then Irish whips him into some road cases. Then Cole calls him, like, that heavy steel case. They're plastic. They're like they're like wood. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's not. There is like some you know like metal structure to it, but like but it's not a metal case. No, I work with those cases. Those cases will probably fucking move a bunch if they're empty and get tossed in. There. Oh yeah. Road Dog then goes to spray Al with a fire extinguisher, but it doesn't go off. Yeah, it's like faulty. But Road Dog like, hits him with it, like, real quickly. Like, th- that spot doesn't linger, and I'm like, you know, so, good on you. you know what they were trying to do with Chavo when he botched and he just could not get back? Yeah. Road Dog did that. Road Dog had a botch, fixed it immediately. I also think back to the Hogan Warrior fire oh spot. Well, that was the finish, though. That was sad. Outside in the snow, Road Dog hits Al with a snow shovel. Just, just appropriate. Into a, like, garbage wheelbarrow kind of thing. Yeah, I seen the. That's like the only way to describe them. Yeah, is it like a dumpster wheelbarrow? He then runs that into a garage door, follows up with a pile driver through some pallets to get the win. The best part about that pin, though, was while they were like brawling and trying to like get when he was trying to get him into like the position for the pin, a guy like in the background walks out of a door and just like puts his head down and immediately walks the other way. Is like, I'm just trying to go home, man. <laughs> You're not gonna. Pay any attention to what's going on in front of you. Yeah, I, I wonder if he's off to that weird dungeon. Cause that's where we go to next. Again. Again. I think the accolade's a little more visible here, but I they just, like, them. take Dennis Knight, like, all right, like right, they're ready to see you. Obviously, the payoff doesn't happen here. Mm-mm. This is building to, like, the Ministry of Darkness. Gotcha. So he becomes Midian and then joins. I think the next person who joins after that is um viscera and i forget which one of them they do a whole segment which gets chopped up on the network because it actually showed up for like their halloween clips of undertaker slitting his wrists oh what and then like drinking the blood remember when you watch this like wait a minute they cut out the slitting the wrist thing yeah oh i forgot about that yes i do remember this now they cut that out in this special like ooh spooky clips i wonder if that is actually cut out on the episode. Spooky. But yeah, we do not see Undertaker at all tonight. Which is kind of unfortunate, but a lot was going on in this episode. You know, he's kind of not fully on TV because he got buried alive at the last pay-per-view. Oh, did he? We then go back to backstage where Shawn Michaels is saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to get the uh, surprise. And Triple H gives him the keys and then like gives him a hug. Which I was like, I mean, I'll, like, I'll be right back. He's like, see you later. And when he leaves, Triple H is like, maybe, maybe not. I think it's Xbox says, oh, it goes around, comes around. So then Sean's outside and the keys don't work. And then you hear like boss man go like, hey, Sean. <laughs> and it cuts. And then when we come back. Come back to commercial, a murder has happened. Yeah, Sean's completely covered in blood. His head had gone through the windshield of this car. It's gruesome. It's horrifying. Well, 
It's gone. His head has gone through the windshield. That's like the cleanest windshield break I've ever seen. And what they did, like, it, yeah. like, like a square is cut out, yeah. and it's like, oh, right there. So going back, it definitely seems like DX fucking knows that he's about to get murdered. Yeah, probably. Triple H talking about like, oh, business is business. Was that the agreement? Did Triple H set up Shawn Michaels to get a spot in the Rumble? So are you saying that you think that Triple H went to Shane and was like, look, if you win me this, I will make Sean go away? Maybe. I don't know. It doesn't really get followed up on too much. So. No, maybe. But it's not out of Yeah, play. it's meant to be kind of vague. And I'm like, did you just sell out your like old best friend for a spot at the Rumble? <laughs> maybe. Because they definitely know like what's oh, about to sure. happen. So, I mean, maybe they don't know the severity of it. But, but yeah, Sean gets put into an ambulance and he's yeah. like, he's gone now. Yeah, he's not going to be interfering anymore at this point. It's now time for our second main event of the podcast. <laughs> Mankind versus The Rock for the WWF title. And it is a no DQ match. Yes. So during this match is when commentary starts kind of throwing jabs at WCW, which is fun. But they start saying things like, oh, don't worry, there will be a finish. Unlike the... Um, Unlike the matches at our competition or something like that. I'm like, this is where I'm like, hold on. I had to go back through. I'm like, there has been no clean matches. You know, you know they called it that other league. That other league? Yeah, it was the most... I, I wrote down the verbiage because it was so bizarre. It is strange. But this is where they start saying that. That This is where I started thinking, like, was there a clean finish to any match? Hardcore title. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's the only one that has a pin with no outside inter- interference. So, and, like, this is a weird flex to make when you cannot live up to it. But WCW also did that of, like, oh, that'll put both in the seats when we just had a shitty first hour. Yeah, like, funny, funny enough, I think huh? I think most of the matches actually had finishes in... Yeah, they did. But they were also thoroughly less interesting. Fair. So, say what you will at a certain point. But Mankind comes out for his match with DX as backup. The Rock comes out with the Corporation. Mm-hmm. So Corporation and DX are all ringside. Yeah, it, it looks a little bit like a, like a lumberjack it match. It does. Rock kicks Mankind to the outside pretty early on. And like Shamrock kicks him and Rock's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm, like, I'm going to do this. Rock suplexes Mankind on the outside and then hops on commentary. <laughs> then Mankind attacks him and hops on commentary <laughs> on his own. Which leads to the Rock just clattering Mankind with a bell shot. Oh my god, yeah. Apparently, I don't know if this is one of those instances... Sometimes when it's pre-taped like this, they'll actually add a little ding. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they did that here or not. I mean, I, I heard a ding. I don't know whether it was genuine or added. Rock then rock bottoms mankind through the table. Oh, my God. It was just a dirty slam. Yeah, because, like, it doesn't break flat. No. It breaks, like, on mankind's side only. So, it, like, it breaks, like, tilted. Yeah, it just looked like it hurt. And in addition to the shade earlier, King then notes that this isn't a title match that'll start two minutes before we go off the air. <laughs> hmm, I wonder what they're referring to. <laughs> this is the WWF, baby. Rock hits a scoop slam in the ring and then hits the corporate elbow. Which just makes me laugh because it's the people's elbow. But Mankind kicks out. He then hits a swinging neck breaker and someone tosses the title belt in the ring. I didn't see who it was. I didn't either. And Rock hits Mankind with it, but Mankind kicks out of the belt shot. Mankind then hits a double arm DDT onto the belt, 
It was supposed to be the belt. Sort of, kind of, yeah. It was supposed to be, but Mick's leg kind of kicked the belt out when doing the move, yeah. so it didn't really Meh. land. Like, oh. But The Rock kicks out of that. Mankind puts on Mr. Socko and locks in the mandible claw. Ken Shamrock then comes back in and hits Mankind with a chair. Billy, Billy Gunn just gets in. And like, yeah, it's like, get the like, fuck no. out of <laughs> DX and the corporation brawl on the outside. Rock and Mankind are down. What's going to happen next? First off, the pop. The pop was insane. Second of all, yeah. That's how you end a fucking show when you're trying to win a ratings war. Yeah. Second of all, Mankind winning the title. Yeah. It's lovely. It's a beautiful moment. You didn't seem bothered by Stone Cold pulling Mick on top of them. I wasn't. Yeah. I can see why it would be bothersome, but it didn't bother me. The slightly annoying thing about that is people talk about that. And it's not necessary. You actually, you can actually see Mick crawling towards Rock as mm-hmm. it's happening, and I'm like, damn it! You could have just like, just don't do it and, and have him do it himself, and yeah, then, then it's all fine. But the pop, the crowd is absolutely losing their minds oh for God, all of yeah. this. And Cole has like twelve, the boyhood dream has come <laughs> true kind of lines. Like, the first one I think works the best. And it's like, from being called Moby Mick, from yeah. from hiking out, from doing this. I'm like, He tried them all. Yeah. One of them had to stick. It just keeps going. And he actually gets cut off on one of them. And so he goes back to it. Oh, my God. And yeah. Road Dog does the announcement of the new WWE champion, Mankind. Beautiful. Mick grabs the mic, tells Vince that this feels pretty damn good. Oh. He then... Dedicates the match to his two kids, oh. even though it doesn't sound too cool. Oh. Big Daddy O did it. Oh. Oh, Very sweet, so Melodian. You're right. Yeah, I just love Mick. He's just a good guy. We opted to not do MVP and best bit for Raw because we. <laughs> it just... It's it's Meg. It's Mick. It's it's the main, the main event. event. Yeah, <laughs> there's no question. So yeah, quite a contrast between the oh, two shows. Oh my god, yeah. People point to this as the turning point. And I don't know how accurate that is. It is true that from this point, WCW never wins the ratings war any night where they're actually head-to-head. Sometimes Raw will get preempted for the Westminster Dog Show or something like that. But when they go head-to-head, WCW never beat them again. But also, that streak already started a couple weeks before this. So this isn't the catalyst of that. Okay. This is just like for sure solidifying. In a in a way, you can make the case for that. But also, the WCW ratings don't take a massive dip for another couple weeks. Like, they had a 5.0 on this show. 
they get another 5.0 in like a couple weeks and then something happens. I don't know what. And they don't even hit four. Oof. Like they barely, like they sort of hit four at that point. And it's pretty consistent threes and twos. And it just kind of keeps going down. So, but that doesn't start next week. So it's kind of a, yeah, I think it's more that WCW exhausted all the goodwill they had left. Yeah. So if this wasn't the final straw, it's one of them. It's literally like you're on thin ice. One more shitty thing and I'm done. This would have been it for me. Oh, yeah. I, I, very understandably. But it's now one NWO. Which, like, makes sense. Like, there shouldn't be two NWOs. Except for the fact that there's the NWO and the B team, but they're associated. So it's basically one group. Oh, my God. Yeah. It is NWO Elite. Ugh, I just, if sold out is still an NWO thing, it's going to be a nightmare. It's also, I was thinking about this when we started. It's like, oh, it's the first one of the Ric Flair era. Man, Rick, you're, uh, it's starting off pretty bad. Yeah. So I also wanted to ask this. Mm -hmm. The fact that Hogan walks out champion here, does it make Starcade worse? Does it make Goldberg losing the streak just yes. to have Nash hand it off. I didn't even think about that. But yes, why didn't they just have Goldberg go against Hogan? That was apparently an original plan at one why point. Why wouldn't they just do that? Backstage politics. Fuck off. People don't like Hogan backstage, so that's a... Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, that's one of the... There's a lot of rumors and stories, and it's one of those where if Hogan beats Goldberg, there'll be like a revolt backstage. Nash is somewhat well-liked, so if he does it, then they can kind of do a transfer there, and they're building this up a, just, like, they're building such... up Hogan to be the big bad again that Goldberg has to slay. This was just such a horrible way to do that, though. This seems even more insulting to Goldberg. Yeah. It's insulting to the fans. It's insulting to Goldberg, the wrestlers, like anybody who gave a shit about the streak or even Nash winning or like anything like that. Too fucking bad. You know, I almost said there's the issue of like, oh, who's the next kind of baby faces you have up? But the WCW roster is so deep that it's like you have plenty. He's not back yet, but like Randy Savage, DDP. Oh, yeah. Still Goldberg, Ric Flair. Booker's on his way up. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of talent there. Just a matter of. Using them properly. Yeah, the rest of the horsemen. So we'll feel like we we did Raw second, not in a down note. Now we're standing on a down note. I know. No, watching Raw second just like reminded you, reminded me of there. There could be good wrestling TV back then. Like it was a thing. It did happen. This did. W, wow, Nitro did not have to happen like that. And I think it also speaks to. How much you can save a show with the main event. End of the day, the previous Nitro probably wasn't fantastic, but it had a happy ending and like mm -hmm. so, something satisfying and not a huge middle finger to the fans. Absolutely. And this has a great ending. And it's like the rest of the Raw, it's not great, but like there's a good through line. Comparatively, I love the Raw. <laughs> well, well, there's the Mankind through line throughout yeah. and it's satisfying conclusion. It's just so, better storytelling on Raw. Yeah. There is a through line, like you said, with one story. Everything is explained. Everything has a backstory. 
everything's paid off, it makes sense. Even if you were a very casual viewer, you get it. You can't say the same for WCW. If a casual viewer just hopped into WCW, they'd be so fucking confused. True. I guess we we have a little... Con- I mean, I guess I have more context than you do for where we were in Raw, but yeah, like but you picked up on it pretty quick. Yeah. It's not hard. It's understandable. It's good storytelling. It's giving a backstory to a match before the match happens so you understand who to root for. It's explaining the rules of the match before the match happens. It's giving you someone to root for from the beginning of the show to the end. It's simple. And Nitro just can't do it. I don't understand why. Well, we'll get to experience the fallout of this, and we're actually going to have to take a little peek at Thunder, because that's where a little bit of the fallout happens as well. Next time on the Bust in the Seas podcast, I guess that's the uh, January 11th, 1999 Nitro. We have no Raws scheduled in the future. We may. Uh, we're not going to do Rumble 99. We, we have recently watched the... I quit match there, and it's just upsetting, and I don't it really is. want to relive it. No, we watched it And the Rumble recently. isn't all that good either. So, no reason to do that. We will be returning to WWF for WrestleMania 15, just to see how the other half lives. <laughs> but, yeah. So, we have that Nitro, and then the week after that, we have Sold Out. Which I'm less and less excited for. What's going to be on the card? I don't know, and I'm just nervous, because it's going to be garbage. Do you think there'll even be a title defense? Probably not. I'm going to say no. All right. I'm guessing probably Kevin Nash and Goldberg. Get Goldberg his win back. We got the tag team match. Norman Smiley and Chavo Guerrero. Probably. And. There's got to be something with Eddie. Eddie's going to do something. Eddie. And then there's. I don't know if you're going to like it or not, but there's a lot of clearing house of the NWO. Like, all right, we need to fucking sort out who's in, who's out. So. That should I'll make like things that, more honestly. clear, but that also means it's going to be a lot of NWO action. We also may or may not be saying farewell to the giant next episode. Yeah, that may or might not be his last episode. I mean, he's he debuts at the pay-per-view after Royal Rumble, and I'm pretty sure next week is his last appearance, but we'll have to see. <laughs> be sure to follow us on Twitter at ButtsInThePod and follow us on Spotify. I got it right that time. Until next time, you listen to the Butts in the Seats podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Emily. Thank you for listening.